You're gonna need a really good lawyer. Peter, he may have dodged your legal troubles, but things will get much worse. There is still a court of public opinion. How did you just do that? I'm a really good lawyer. Welcome back to A Stark Contrast, where we discuss the differences and similarities from Marvel Comics to their MCU counterparts. And we are your hosts, Jeffrey. And I. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everybody. Hey, Jeff. We are back with another <laughs> one. Hello, Di. <laughs> another, another week. We are coming another off episode. A, a nice and busy Labor Day weekend. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, actually, it wasn't so busy for me as as it was probably you. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, nonetheless, busy. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a recuperating moment for yeah. yours truly. So now i just uh, trying to get back into the swing of things and um, for the work week and catch up on the pod. We have not missed one. No, we haven't. Have, Isn't you that believe crazy? that? Crazy. Sam asked me this the other day. She was like, so I was recoup. I was kind of like recapping. I was just like, oh, I just, I just stay home this week. And I was, oh wait, yeah. I have to record the pod. Ah, and she was like, yeah. have you and I like missed a week? To re-? I was just like, no, no, we haven't. <laughs> like we always figure it out. Yeah. Like even if like we're Teamwork. recording like right before or yeah. if it's like right on, right, you know, yeah, on and, our release. And which is which? I mean, not to toot our own horns or anything, <laughs> but which is kind of wild. Because we've both traveled in some capacity and we've both, we obviously have day jobs. Yes. And then some. Uh huh. <laughs> and so the fact that we're able to make it work is incredible to I, me. I think so too. Because as I'm just like, I'm like, what? Every week? Yeah. I'm just, okay, so we, we just released this weekend. Mm-hmm. So we're good on this next weekend. Okay, we're really, okay. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, okay, it was an off weekend. I was yeah. like, okay, so we're recording this week. Yeah. And then it's like, when are we doing this? <laughs> but we always find a couple hours to just yeah. knock it out. Tends to sit around and jive about our favorite heroes. Yeah. Which is like commendable, I would say. Yeah. Congratulations, Jeff. <laughs> Congratulations to <laughs> us. We are still yes. thriving and I, kicking. You're welcome, us. Thanks, us. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's really great. So so those of you who've stuck it out with us all 37 episodes up until now, like we commend you as well because that's thank awesome. You, thank you. Thank for you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an awesome you know year year and change and. Uh, yeah, no signs of stopping anytime soon, let alone slowing down. Yeah. Not even international travel will slow us down. Ha <laughs> ha. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we can start talking about our notable news. Um, mm-hmm. Disney Plus Day and this D23 week. Are, are this, this week. weekend. Right. And so by the time that this show drops, we'll have obviously like passed that hurdle, jumped over that hurdle. Um, what surprises we have revealed, we're not sure yet. We'll probably talk about it the next episode. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I'll be on, I'll be on ground zero on Saturday at D23 and, uh, good luck soldier. Thanks. Like waking <laughs> up at like 3am <laughs> Good luck, to, soldier. to get into that, that Marvel studios panel because they didn't, we didn't get it. Well, in my entire group, we did not, not a single one of us 
got a, is it, a reservation. Is it a free ticket? It is. To, okay. Well, D23, you have to pay for D23. To get into D23. To get in. But then and it's not even that bad. It's like, I don't know, 60 bucks or something, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, we only bought passes for Saturday because to us, you know, like we're, we're big fans we love Disney, but we don't love Disney that much, if that makes sense. It is any a lot. I, saw, I think I saw the schedule yeah. the other day, and it's, it starts on Thursday, right? It's like truly yeah. for hardcore, if you live, breathe, eat, die, Dis- poop, like it's like Disney. Disney. <laughs> it's, it's Disney animation. Everything. And every, every single aspect Everything. of Disney. It, like, they're bringing Walt Disney's like plane in or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's going to be on view, like a, like a you know museum piece at, yeah. at this convention. But, um, you know, since, since the acquisition, they've started integrating you know of course star wars and, and marvel right. and so that month that monday morning what am i thinking that front that saturday morning panel is like whatever is left of lucasfilms aka star wars yeah and marvel studios it's solely that though those two properties so you know all reservations aside i did get reserve reservations confirmed for like the Marvel Studios development signing or something. Uh-huh. So I think it's probably Andy Park. Andy Park, maybe uh, Ryan Minerding or somebody, you know, signing posters for what? I'm not sure. Yeah. I have a hunch it might be either She-Hulk, I Am Groot, or Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, none of us struck gold with that with that hall ticket. And you can always bring a plus one. So oh. even, if, even if just... Two of us had gotten it. We all would have been able to go. Yeah, pain. No such luck. Yeah, and so we're gonna have to double down and get in line at five a.m. <laughs> um, like we used to in the old that, days. That's. I wonder, like, if that like um, weight is crazy as compared to you know Comic Con or something. It. Yeah, you know, I could I couldn't tell you because the especially last time, now. Yeah, the last time we did it was the the before times. So we'll see, I guess. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. You'd be surprised how far, how fast five hours passes when you're tired. I, I can only imagine. <laughs> and you're in a cold concrete basement <laughs> just waiting for a line to move. Oh my God. Upside, they play Disney movies while you're waiting. So. That's good. I watched Thank like God. Lady and the Tramp and like 100 Dalmatians, oh, yeah. 101 Dalmatians That's... and other stuff. It's fine. It's whatever, but it's just, it's a lot. I, I don't miss the old school style of of going to conventions i'll tell you that much yeah <laughs> um in other news megan the stallion is part of the mcu oh yes can we just celebrate oh, yes. that for a second the one and only <laughs> not the the, the. <laughs> um eh. <laughs> yeah. that, so, so I'll just say because I know like we're probably going to talk about She-Hulk and, and I'm sure Megan Megan will be part of that yeah um, but <laughs> what killed me about the episode is like you know they first show her on as a YouTube clip and I was like oh is that it because like in some cases yes, yes, that's, yes, uh, that's yes, it yes. right and I was like oh okay and then she showed up in the courtroom and I was like oh my god and then the eh yeah. is what did it for her because it's like there's only one Megan <laughs> Stallion <laughs> I started dying. I was so like, this good. is hilarious. And then, of course, the, the stinger. Yeah, scene. the post credit scene, which I thought was phenomenal. People are so mad about it. And I'm like, you need to relax. Dude. You just need to relax. It's so, it's so great. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, And I'm glad that she's like herself because I think you and I, and then even myself with some other friends, were like, oh, who is she going to be? Yeah. Who is she playing a character? Like, oh, 
but of course in true form and yeah. the bestest form. I like that is it like sets that like oh, yeah. celebrities exist exactly in in the Marvel universe. Yeah. It's yeah. not you know it's not like only the heroes are like the celebrities. Right. You know, like yeah, these ma- yeah. these mainstream artists are also public present. figures. Yeah. exist. Um, once upon a time, Obama, Barack Obama was was in a Spider Man comic oh. <laughs> as the oh, president. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, th- these little crossovers are pretty awesome. I really enjoy that. Um, and yeah, we'll probably talk about it in at length very soon. And then um, Spider Man No Way Home back in theaters. Oh yes, for a limited time. And honestly, eleven minutes makes a huge difference. It does. You'd be surprised. It, yeah, You'd be very surprised. And I was text. I was like telling Jeff while I was watching it because you know there's only about ten people in the theater, but it was it was quite interesting because I I don't know that I've ever seen a film that had extra footage, but like in the theater, right? Like, so and it was like finished too. Was it, it was like finished. finished? Yeah, it was yeah. completely finished. So it was just like watching the film again, but then thinking wait, what did they add? But it was very, it was very obvious. It was just like more exposition. Yeah, Yeah. 100% more exposition. And so we, you know, they would trim here and there, they would trim like literal like three seconds off of something or add three seconds to something, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I'd be like, oh shoot. (laughs) Yeah. That made a difference. But then there are full on scenes um, that didn't exist in the original cut, Um, you know, including a brand new post-credit scene that really does tie together the fact that the kids are graduating high school and moving forward with their lives, which really does lend a little more to Peter Parker going on his own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And of course, you know, one of you know my favorite scenes was additional scenes was it, it included the character that we're actually talking about today. So. What a great segue. A great segue. (laughs) It sounds a lot better in my head, but hey, we're there, we're there, we're there. Um, So yeah, I guess before we get into that, I wanted to show you something because it's so big that I'd rather just get it out of the way, like literally right now. Okay. I have no idea what this is, guys. It's literally rolled up. It's rolled up. Yeah. And and I, I didn't, it's not that I had forgotten I had it. It's just that I had it put away because I, you know, I, I swapped apartments for a bit and I switched the art on my wall. Um, but, you know, uh, considering today's character, um, I wanted to show Jeff this poster. So, of course, if you didn't look at the title, uh, today's character study is none other than Matt Murdock. The man without fear himself, Mm -hmm. Daredevil. Yes, sir. (laughs) And so um, we will be discussing many things that deal with this character, but... I see a leaf. First and foremost, well, this is like the backing of the poster. Oh, damn. (laughs) So first and foremost, you know, we'll be discussing not only the film, but also this incredible television show that originated and kind of paved the way for Charlie Cox to become this character that we all Uh know and love now. So I'm going to ask you to pull on that other side. Uh-huh. It is a Holy giant... Holy hell. It is a theatrical... Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a giant theatrical-sized, uh, like, I think you call them bus shelter-sized... Yes. ...posters of Charlie Cox as, as Matt Murdock. This is a humongous poster. And it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and it is signed by Steven Knight, who was showrunner for the first season, the iconic first season. Wow. And, of course, Steven Knight is known for, for many different bodies of work including yes. I believe Spartacus and and he's just all around great and uh he signed it personally to me it was very nice oh, I got this yeah it, I think it was a uh, there was something for charity 
and he put up one of each. He had one of him as Daredevil, one in the black suit, and one as Matt Murdock. And it was randomized. And he was like, all right, first three people to make a donation of X amount, you're going to get one of these posters, and I will even personalize it for you. Here you go. And I was like, sick, I'm down. Made the donation, and then it came in the mail, and I was like, I hope I got the bloody knuckles one. I hope I got the bloody knuckles one. And I looked on the roll, and it said, like, handwritten in, in his writing, bloody knuckles. I was like, yes! And I wow. opened it, and it was the Matt Murdock one. So That's awesome. I scored. So this is usually in a frame. It has not been in a frame for a little bit, as you can tell. But <laughs> it is one of my favorite posters. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of That's love for this awesome. character. Yeah. So before we get too far, just a reminder, we're not experts. We don't pretend to be. Um, we're just a couple of nerds, nerding out. True. So, um, I have so much pressure on my shoulders for this episode. Do I just you? have to tell you. Do you? <laughs> I have two very good friends, at least two very good friends that are very big Daredevil fans. Okay. I am terrified to mess this up. Oh. She's got <laughs> this, y'all. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so here we go. Daredevil, the man without fear. Uh, created by Stan Lee and Bill Everett. Uh, first appearance, Daredevil number one, April 1964. And so uh, here's the cover with a... Yeah, wow. Yeah. So we're yeah. going back. And it's it's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about this today and considering that, you know, like some of the Defenders or at least Jessica Jones, they, they come of a more modern era. Yes. And I often wonder, like, for somebody who has no concept of Daredevil, uh-huh. right, beyond Netflix and beyond... Do they think he's like a modern character? Would you have guessed he was a modern character or a Silver Age? Oh, oh, I'd probably say modern because really? well, I mean, we'll probably get to it, like where I first, yeah, like my first, like a real like experience with Daredevil. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd probably say modern, modern. rather than if you were to tell me that he was created in the sixties, I'd be like, what? Yeah, <laughs> and and he was, which yeah. is kind of crazy, especially to look at it now. Um, in retrospect and the artwork and such, but, you know, we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> and speaking of the issue, so Daredevil number one debuted in 1964, as I just mentioned. Do you have any ballpark numbers for this book? Because it's kind of crazy. Uh, okay. Well, like you said, he's been around since the 60s. Mm-hmm. He's been portrayed in in live media yeah. multiple times. Yep. So... Multiple times. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like two, at least two times. At least two times, yeah. And I think with this most re- most recent iteration of this character that Charlie Cox plays, mm-hmm. I feel like is he's just blown up. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like he's in like he's in the spotlight. Like he's yeah. a, like he's a household name. Yeah, he's thanks a peak to that ne- thanks to sure. that Netflix series. Yeah, you know, Crazy and then enough, and then yeah. like and then, and then the the and then the reintroducing of him in the MCU in the now. MCU, and yeah. So it's just like okay. Yep, and I think also we just gotta give a kudos to Charlie Cox because he's just he, <laughs> yeah. plays, he plays an amazing Matt Murdock so and Daredevil. Good. Truly, um, ballpark for first appearance. Yeah, or first, first appearance. First appearance. Yep, Daredevil number one is also is his first appearance. First appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. So, like, kind reminder, like, Spidey is about 250 or more. I know. I was gonna say the cop out answer. Like, I'm thinking six figs. So you're not wrong. Thing in sick, but, but yeah. obviously, like now it's like, okay, is he higher than Spidey? And you're like, hmm. hmm. 
You know? Yeah. Is any can anyone ever be high than speed? I don't know. Unless you're like an X-Men or something. Yeah. I'm going with the number. 137. Ooh, that's so close. No, really? It's very close. <laughs> so on Shortbox, which is an app that I had mentioned um in a couple, you know, I think last episode oh, or yes. an episode before. Um CGC 9.4 of Daredevil number it's not one. Bad. No, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Goes for ninety-nine and a half thousand uh, dollars. No, no, no. But oh. wait. eBay got your back because a CGC 9.6 on eBay, 9.6. So 0.2% makes all the all the difference. $125,000. So you're just off by 12 grand, but that's that's pretty I always try close. to stray, I always try to stray away from those like numbers that yeah. everyone guesses. I always try to go yeah. obscure. So like yeah. 133 or 177. <laughs> For sure. Um with with shipping and tax probably oh, probably out. correct. <laughs> but yeah, $125,000 for Daredevil number 1 um in a peak peak uh condition. That's really good. Also We're, insane. It's, it's kind of wild. And so it's like, if you were a casual Daredevil fan looking to have this book, that's what you're looking at. And I know a few people that are like, just, ooh, because <laughs> they're so sad they can't have it. Yeah. But I know how they feel because I would love to have amazing fantasy, but that'll yeah. never happen. I think everyone would love like a number one issue, Truly, right? Like yeah. that's I feel like that's like the, yeah. the pinnacle. But right this there. is also why they make the facsimile and true believers editions, which are usually a buck. Because they're uh, facs, facsimiles. So they're essentially copy, modernized copy of it. Yes. It's just not the same. You yeah, want the paper. Yeah, yeah. You want you, it to smell. You want that You want that browning. Of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the mildew and the water damage. Um, I want it to smell like the 60s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like when you go into a library, like like the archives, like and that's exactly what it smells like. <laughs> I love this. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of smells, the lowest uh, editions of this book that I was able to find um, on Shortbox, a CGC of 1.5, even a 1.5, barely held together by the staples, um, is going for $2,500. What? $2,500. What? It gets even better, my friend, because there's also a 0.5. CGC. What is what is that even? Like, what is that? It's missing the cover title. So someone <laughs> as a child ripped <laughs> the Daredevil logo off of the book. And it's also the same price. So 0.5 with no title cover is $2,500 because it's graded. Because it's graded. <laughs> I would love to see the face of the grader. Right? Like when he when they he or she was presented with like, Oh, I wanna can I grade this Daredevil? Yeah. What issue is this? Uh well the cover's kind of gone. Um, <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, it's number one. Can you oh. can you grade it and then figure it out? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean I can't imagine how many times they just they've seen this book come in and they just kinda go, ah. Oh, that's still, a shame. Twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred dollars. Shoot, I'll take that. Yeah. And then, you know, on the flip side, on eBay, a CGC 0.5 is going for two grand. So the book is barely <laughs> recognizable. It's still worth two thousand dollars. Um, and eBay also had a coverless one <laughs> for nine hundred and seventy dollars, not graded or anything. 
Not graded? Not even graded. And you can get a loosey-goosey of this issue, just, you know, whatever condition it may be, not graded for, <laughs> here's where your number comes in, $1,338.13. <laughs> so you could still, someone could still cop almost $1,400 for just a terrible, terrible copy of this book. That's how much the character is worth in That's pop crazy. culture. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So... You know, you 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 started on this, but um, yeah. What was your first exposure to to that, which is Daredevil? The Batfleck. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah, Ben Affleck, two thousand and three. Oh, look at you. Two thousand and three. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> the fact that that still made the cut for you, and you remember that is so impressive. Two thousand and three, and I think yeah. you know, I think he did a really good job at it. Yeah. You know, obviously that's. I, I think. That, now I think about it, after seeing a, a couple of iterations of Daredevil, the yeah. whole like <laughs> when you would like how you would see it through Daredevil's eyes, and it was just like this sonar like yeah. thing. I was just like, red. I was like, oh, this is super cool. But yeah. then like now you're kind of like, okay, well he's blind. I mean, <laughs> like he 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 his I mean his other senses are amplified, right? Um, right. But yeah, so it was that. Here you and go. Then, I have the movie poster up here for you. <laughs> uh, Oh, and that suit was shiny as hell. Shiny, because it was full on shiny. leather, baby. Full on leather. Oh, like like dominatrix type <laughs> thing. Like at the time, no one really batted an eye. Right. But you, you, if Charlie Cox wore this, you'd be like, okay, hold on. Yeah, no, for sure, right? Um, and then yeah, Jennifer Which, Garner we'll into, as yeah. a Electra. Oh wow, and Colin Farrell as Dead Eye, Deadshot, Bullseye, Bullseye. <laughs> you almost got there. Yeah. Right on target. And then, um, is that is he Fisk? Yeah. Wow. Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan playing Fisk. Yep. That, so That makes sense. Full disclosure, I did watch the first two seasons of Daredevil and this film oh. over the long weekend oh. just to like refresh my memory yeah. because I truly have not seen Daredevil, the film, since it came out. Maybe maybe on home edition, obviously. Yeah. Um, I could. I thought I bought... Sorry, but I didn't want to override you. So was this was your this was truly your first truly, impre- wow truly, yeah. oh wow that's amazing um yeah I I couldn't find my digital director's edition <laughs> which is like half an hour longer but it's so much better yeah um and I say this to anyone who even asks or will listen because it does focus more on Matt Murdock the lawyer mm. um so you get a lot more of that and like the the reason and the intention behind the way he is and why the why he's the way he is especially when it comes to daredevil and there's no like cheesy love scene like there's none of it wasn't romanticized at all god it. it was very straightforward and like this is the law and order of 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 daredevil um but as far as like i i honestly and i know i say this a lot i i don't know really where i started to know about daredevil because it was definitely before this i already knew who he oh, was okay because mm. you know again the cards played a huge part in this so I was like yeah it's the red guy it's <laughs> <laughs> the red guy it's yeah. the red guy yeah. and of course you know and, and you know speaking of my cards I have them right here and I, I have a, quite a lot which was you know just, just before we started recording I started pulling them out and I was like oh I have a ton and you know granted half of these are team ups but you can see here this is, is kind of how yeah this is kind of how I got to know him, be- know him because he was, you know, in all these team-up cards. So I was like, okay, well, I already knew who Black Widow was and I knew who the Punisher was. So he kind of just fit into this 
maybe I didn't know the word vigilante at the time, but yeah. he fit into this realm of like non-superhero-y heroes that yeah. I was just like, oh, he's Spider-Man's friend. Yeah, because it's crazy that like your experience, your first time experience of some heroes is like obviously comics and the and or the cards. And it's like me growing up, I was a very visual media person like I used to live in front of a TV mm. I'm pretty sure that's why I wear glasses and yeah. contacts to this day <laughs> but I'd always spend my time in front of a TV so that always meant watching TV with my dad and either that would just end up we'd I don't know like seeing like a commercial for the new movie coming out mm. so like yeah what like the new Daredevil movie you know coming out da, 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 da. so it was oh that looks cool and like my cousins would always take me to see movies so yeah like I remember, like I think I said this in the previous episode. I visually, re- I remember seeing X Men: The Last Stand. Wow. Yeah, like in theaters and stuff, mm-hmm. and how chaotic that film was. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So I was always just watching like movies. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even know. This is like I don't know maybe, but I don't even, I didn't really, I don't think I really knew the concept of like comic books mm-hmm. at the time. Like as a, as a kid growing up. Like, it was just, like, and if it, whatever was on TV, mm-hmm. like, that's what I was like, oh, that looks cool, that looks fun, let's watch yeah. that. Not knowing that it was adapted from a comic book character. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes for a lot of people, to be honest. Like, you know, they just pop out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, it's some character, it's some fictional yeah. character. Like, how I know Ghost Rider yeah. is because of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure, Yeah. And it's like, and to some people, like that was just like some sci-fi pop culture exactly. thing that not really they came not, up like, with. That's yeah. at a time when the movie industry didn't take comic books seriously because, like, right. why would we ad- adapt a comic book yeah. character? It's They'd, cheesy, it's corny, yeah. it won't make sense on screen. Right, right. Fast forward twenty years later, here, <laughs> here we, we are. are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, speaking of the cards, I guess I'll read one of these. Which one had I picked out? I think it was this one. So this is the 1992 Marvel masterpiece pieces by joe jusco mm-hmm. um daredevil matt murdoch lost his sight in a freak accident but gained something as well the sensitivity of his remaining senses increased far beyond that of normal humans and he acquired an amazing radar sense adding these powers to his his extraordinary athletic abilities he has become the man without fear daredevil And so he wages a two-pronged assault against injustice. By day, as a blind civilian attorney. By night, as a super-powered crime fighter. In his struggle to make this world a better place for all to live. Nice. Pretty, pretty cut and dry. Street level, street street level level baby. (laughs) Saving the streets. Yes, exactly. Saving the streets. (laughs) And the people who walk upon the streets. Um, Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of... You know, simple as it is complicated because, you know, um, something that we're probably, you know, tackle and go through in this episode is um, like he is truly like barely above normal human like he is really yes. a, just a guy yes. right um, but yeah we'll, we'll get into that and, and his periphery of characters as well um, I did want to preface, however, that this episode contains a number of characters that all deserve their own coverage. So we're not going to get into detail with many of them as we could, simply because we'll probably cover them down the line. There's going to be a lot of overlap like we've experienced in previous episodes with like Captain America and Winter Soldier and Black Widow. So, so yeah, you won't hear too much about certain people, but we hope you enjoy this. 
Um, so yeah, so you know, the card kind of covers the basics about what you need to know about this character. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if you've heard this, Jeff, or if if I have actually said this to you many times, but you know, people tend to call him Red Batman. Oh. Because his origin story, not that their origin stories are incredibly similar, but I think that the liberties that they took with the the origin story of Matt Murdock into the cinematic scape mm-hmm. did kind of render some parallels when it came to the Waynes in that like Got it. you know the you know the whole story. Yeah. And they're coming out of a theater. Something about the pearls. They get <laughs> They die. They die. <laughs> it's in an alleyway. It's a crying kid. It's really sad. Yes. Like, you know, they're in the in they don't do that so much. Um well they kind of did it in the in the show, but in the film it's really like it's really like very similar to that. Um uh but let's take it back a little bit. Um, so raised by his father, Jack, Matt endured a childhood of bullying after the assumed death of his mother, Maggie. So in the books back, even in this number, this number one issue, you kind of, they pull this actually quite ahead of its time. And this is all credit to Stan Lee, I guess, in that they, they first take you to the present day to tell you the story, like Daredevil's beating up these thugs. You're not quite sure. One, why is he beating up these thugs? And two, who was this weirdo yes, in a yellow and red guy, yeah. suit? <laughs> and then they eventually, in the by the middle of the issue, they take you back to the origin story. And so, you know, you 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 get wind that okay, well, Jack Murdoch is a boxer. He's older. He's like out of his prime. Mm-hmm. He's aging. And he's raising this son on his own, who is Matt Murdock. And he has his sight. He's just a perfectly normal boy. And he wants to be like his dad. But his dad is fully insisting, no, let's, I wish I could just plug like an ear an, an earbud in my head so you could hear the voices that I hear these comics because like I'm the same way I feel right? it I feel it like in yes. my head he sounds a specific way which is actually kind of like the film version where he's like oh Maddie uh, I want you to be more than just okay. a boss like, like your very, father very New, yeah. very New York very, very New, New York yeah. very Hell's Kitchen very you know like uh, you know and so he sounds like that in my head and you know um, so he basically and his son very much wanted to be like dad. He wanted to be strong yes. and, and tough and really hold his own. And his dad was like, no, you deserve better. You hit the books, kid, you know? And so he really inspired Matt to stay like straight A student, make sure he gets all his accolades and whatnot. Yeah. Um, because of this, um, kids used to make fun of Matt. Like they were like, oh, you goody two shoes. You like always your daddy's doing boy what, yeah, type of thing. daddy's boy. You never do anything bad. <laughs> this is an amazing <laughs> New York accent. <laughs> you should hear my X-Men voices. It's insane. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and sadly, you know, they, they, they really did. It's something that you see in every good story. Right. And so this page I wanted to show you is straight out of the first issue as well. And they did. One of the names that they call him is Daredevil because he's anything but, I guess, is the irony of it. Oh. It's interesting how like, they just kind of... Like, I dare kinda, you to be devilish? Yeah, no, like, I, he's such a daredevil. Look at him. He's not taking any risk. He won't even throw a punch. Like, oh, like it's so, ironic. Like, it's, it's ironic. It's ironic, okay. yeah. He's so, he's so closed and demure almost that... Even though he wants to be anything, but he wants to be in sports and he wants yes. to be a cool guy. But dad's like, 
you gotta hit the books. And he's like, all right, I gotta do what my dad says. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> can't stop. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna regret this. <laughs> I gotta hit the books, kid. Oh, Forget God. about Forget it. You know? about it. I'm trying to walk here. Hey, this daredevil over here. <laughs> A man without fear. Ah, oh, get, get, takes his bag almost from smell. <laughs> God. Jeez. Hey, yo, Paulie. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Take it too far. Take it too far. <laughs> okay. See, see, see. Incredible. Oh my gosh. So, so, so despite all of this, you know, like despite trying to dissuade his son from like being like him, Matt, and also because the bullying got so bad, Matt turned to, to going to his dad's gym. He used to go to Fogwell's gym. Mm-hmm. He goes to his dad's gym to kind of like let out the frustrations. So he teaches himself, he like teaches himself how to box. And of course he learned a bit by visually watching his father back yes. in the day. Um, he, he's very good at uh, acrobatics and he's, he's very naturally athletic. So, um, you know, you know the, the catalyst of Matt's story, as far as an, an origin story goes, at least in the books, is that, you know, um, to, to kind of make ends meet, Jack decides to get back in the fighting game and he's like, you know, before nobody would <laughs> try not to do the fight. <laughs> um, before, like nobody would hire him because he was an aging boxer. Nobody wants to bet on on the underdog. Yes. So he takes a job with a guy named the Fixer, and the Fixer is like, yeah, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of you. It's all good. You'll get bookings. Good, good gravy. And so he's excited. He's ready to go back and tell Matt all about it. And like, hey, you know, he's never going to have to worry about anything. His priority is getting his son through college. So yes. Matt's a little older. He's not quite Spider-Man level. Yeah. Because in the books, technically, Matt is supposed to be, supposed to have been born 1942. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's the kind of the era that we're looking at here. When they used to date things and then they realized, oh, Wait. These comics last forever. They're like, oh god. <laughs> They're like, whoops. <laughs> so he, you know, he uh, Jack is trying to get his kid through college, and so I guess Matt's around seventeen, eighteen, maybe nineteen at most mm-hmm. at this point. And so uh, he runs off to go tell tell Matt who isn't at home, and instead, at that very moment, he's out and about on the streets, and he sees a blind man walking, and as you oh, would wow. have it. There's a truck coming his way, and it's like Ajax, radioactive, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, nobody's helping the guy. He's it's, he's walking right to it, and he might be deaf, too. It's like, the dialogue is actually quite hilarious, because he's like, oh, that blind man, wait. He might be. <laughs> he okay. might be deaf, too. Okay. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's happening. a lot going on. There's a, the, the old guy had nothing. He, he, he was doomed. And because he's a good Samaritan, because he is, you know, like... He is a good guy. He's a good kid. Yeah. He goes to rescue the old man and he jumps in the way of the truck mm-hmm. and they don't show it because back in the day... It's violent. It's considered violence or, you know, like, what do you... Gruesome. Child endangerment yeah, and sure, all that sure. stuff. So they don't actually show it in the book, but essentially what they have described, the bystanders have described is that, oh, the kid, like, the radioactive stuff, one of the barrels flew off the truck. It got all over the kid... And it left him blind, Ugh. which is like wow. more irony than, than necessary, yes. but it makes for a pretty good story. Yeah. Um, and so it ends up very much like the, the series and the movies where 
Matt wakes up, he's in the hospital, everything's going haywire. He's like, what is happening? And in the books, it's actually kind of funny because he he accepts it much quicker. Yeah. <laughs> While in the film and in the series, he's like losing he's his like, mind. Yo. Oh, yes. Everything is I everything remember. is loud. Everything is like he can hear heartbeats and people talking and mm-hmm. it's all at once. So it almost drives him crazy in those first few minutes. Um, but in the books, you know, he's quite relaxed and he's like, oh, you know, I might not be able to see, but at least I'm alive. Like he's like yeah, very he's like, hey. positive about it. Um, and so sadly, um, you know, not too long after that, you know, Matt's on his way to, to, to graduate and the fixer comes after uh, Murdoch because he he didn't take a fall. He decided, you know what? My son's coming to a show. I'm going to win this show. Oh. I'm going to win this match. And instead of being a fall guy for once, wow. <laughs> he, he takes the hit. He's like, I'm, never mind. This is it. That's cool. It's fine. At Damn. least my son will be proud of me. And then no sooner did that happen, the fixer and his men go after Murdoch and they shoot him dead. Wow. They, they kill him. I don't know if they shot him in the book, but they nevertheless, he dies. And um, that leaves Matt very you know grieving he's lost both parents at this point yeah um he graduates college um at the top of his class and he meets his friend during during college he meets his friend foggy nelson foggy Foggy. (laughs) and um and yeah and it's it's really sad and and essentially it makes him become this persona um known as Daredevil because he's like, oh, now I can take this name and I can make it mean something. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to use it to mock me. I'm going to use it to protect the city. Yeah, sounds about right. Right, and he becomes Daredevil. Uses his um, dad's boxing uniform to create the red and yellow. So it's made out of yeah. fabric and, and that version, not the sleek leather yeah. <laughs> that oh, we yeah. see in the movie. But yeah, that's essentially it. He wow. it, It's his thing is to protect the city from people like the fixer. Wow. Yeah. So it's much darker than, than say, like Peter Parker. You know, it's yes. far more uh, far more complicated and I think not nearly as happy, mm-hmm. um, which is totally a lot of what Daredevil is about. He's just, he's not a jovial character, if you will. <laughs> um, which brings us to the other side of the fence. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, portrayed by Charlie Cox in the MCU via the Netflix show, created for TV by Drew Goddard, um, with Skylar Gartner as young Matt, and previously portrayed by Ben Affleck and Scott Terra in the 2003 Daredevil film and 2005's Elektra. He was in Elektra, but it was a deleted scene. That's right, yes. Yeah. Um, And to your credit, there was more than two, as well as Rex Smith in the Hulk television series film, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk that came out in the 80s. Oh. So that was a big thing with, with Daredevil. That was kind of more or less where he was first introduced mm-hmm. um, after the show, uh, after the comics. Um, and the character was first seen in the MCU via the Netflix show and last seen in Spider-Man No Way Home. And yeah, there was an extra scene with Matt and Foggy, which was unfoggy. <laughs> happy. <laughs> which is kind of funny because John Favreau was Foggy Nelson. Um, Matt That's and Happy. Right. Yeah, Matt and Happy. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, before we get any further, just noting actors Scott Glenn in the series and Terrence Stamp in Electra, who played Stick, because 
Stick. <laughs> God. Oh, he's yeah. got he's got a very rich backstory. He does play a very prominent role, at least in the series. He wasn't in the movies at all. Um uh, the movie. And so I I didn't put too much into him, but Stick is essentially um he helped Matt refine the skills that he had started to cultivate. He, got it. After the accident, he really helped him focus the sonar, focus the, the echolocation, focus all his senses, because Stick is also blind. And there again, he's got a huge backstory. He possibly uh, reincarnated like Japanese, like, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Whoa. It's a thing. <laughs> so so not going to go into Stick very much, but um, not to discredit him at all, of course. Um, he is a very, very prominent role in, in Matt and his upbringing as the hero that we're familiar with now. Yeah. And he's, but if you want more of him, that's what the series is for. So of this, of the three seasons of Daredevil, how many have you watched? <laughs> I think fully. Yeah. Two for sure. Two, really? I think, and oh, then cool. I think, I, may, I mean, I think maybe I have like finished it all. And, yeah. But like the, during, probably during that third season, it just trickled away from me. Sure. Because I think like during that time, I saw, that's when I was like, just, what was that? I was like 20. I think it was 28. <laughs> 17 17 18 yeah, yeah like Sheesh. that's like when i had like time to like binge yeah and i would just watch because like with me if it's like it's it's like a double-edged sword it's like i love the weekly things mm-hmm. the weekly episodes like everyone's doing now yep but at the time like obviously netflix was like doing their own thing with like oh here's here's all these episodes and it was like it was like 20 episodes it was a lot of, it was a lot it was i a think lot it was at episodes. least 13 Eight, for yeah, daredevil 18 maybe yeah yeah so it's just like if I once I finish one and it leaves on a like an insane cliffhanger, I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I gotta watch the next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I definitely powered I powered through the first season like with ease, and then yeah. obviously because of how good it was, it was so good. He's like, okay, <laughs> season two, yeah. you know, like yeah. let's watch season two. Yeah. And then I think I just like it wasn't it, was, it wasn't because it was bad, but it was just like me growing like getting older, just like okay, I don't really feel like yeah allotting like a commitment eight seven eight hours yeah. right now, you know, legitimately too, because yeah. each episode was. Was like an hour an long. hour so, long yeah. um i definitely it's probably trickled down mm-hmm. like my watch time at three but the character yeah. was still there and i think it's what kind of reinvigorated like like my love for like daredevil mm. like because i remember seeing the ben affleck one i was like oh this is this is a nice mm-hmm. yeah I, 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 lo- I love this yeah and then seeing charlie cox portrayal and the, the netflix marvel um portrayal of mm-hmm. it i was like oh this is good for amazing sure. fight scenes amazing writing the, the tone of it just made sense, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. All around. I mean, it was super duper strong. Um, season one, showrunner uh, Steven Tonight, as I mentioned. Um, season two, Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez. And then season three, Eric Olison, um, with music by John Pisano and Graham Revel. Uh, that's the movie, of course. Um, and then I just said, you know, speaking of the fight scenes and stuff, I had to, we don't usually do this, but I'm going to do this for Daredevil because it's such, it's such an element of the, sh- the series. Mm-hmm. A stunt double shout out to Chris Brewster. We've mentioned Chris before yes. in previous episodes. Um, definitely the Captain America one. Um, so Chris Brewster, he, uh, has been in the MCU in a variety of ways, doubling up not only as Steve Rogers and Captain America and Captain America and the Winter Soldier, but also Mobius, M. Mobius in Loki. 
and of course Matt Murdock and Daredevil in the television series. So he's all over the board. Love that. <laughs> Mobius is news to me. I had no idea. So they pulled he's him over. He's probably on set right now. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> on set right now doing that thing, and hopefully he'll bounce back um, into Matt Murdock land. But I mean, Chris Booster's incredible. Apparently, he he also jumped into D- the DCEU, but not as an actual stunt oh. double or anybody. He's a stunt coordinator. Coordinator. Yeah, so, um, so shout out to him. Um, he's an exceptional talent, and so he really did bring uh, Daredevil to life in that his, like the, the fighting coordination that they created for that character and crafted for that character. Like, you know, I mentioned this on social a couple of weeks ago, like, the infamous hallway scene. I was going to say, I was going to bring that up. Absolutely insane. Yeah, that's one of the scenes that Daredevil is like, no, the show is known for. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, in season two, the subsequent follow up, which was like the, eleva- the elevator shaft, the stairwell scene. Yes. Which is like another level. I still love the hallway scene more. Yeah, the hallway think- <laughs> scene is definitely iconic because you see so it iconic. happening, you see it like, un- yeah. like unraveling, you're like, Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're, go, they're keeping going. They're like, going. They're, yeah. <laughs> and it's like four and a half it's minutes. Long. It's it is, so good. Not, in movie time, it is long. It's incredible. And then, of course, this, the stairwell scene is when uh, when Matt is actually Daredevil and he's got like the chain on his like hand and he's whipping around and he's going, he's like descending the stairs and all yes. the guys, it's, it's so nuts. And it's like, if you, honestly, if you haven't seen this, like, please do yourself a favor and go watch it. Um, even if that means you're just YouTubing, YouTube searching oh, like, yeah. those scenes. Even because, just watch, I, I do that a lot. Yeah, it's so incredible. Every time I see that, hallway scene i'm just like winded because it's so good um and you know with all good things (laughs) like the daredevil film there is a brief um albeit present film development history and so this movie actually entered development as far back as 1997 so yeah it was truly like the dawn of like comic book films because this is like i guess if you think timeline wise this is on the heels of I don't know, Bill and Ted, weird science and all that stuff that was like had kind of crept over the 90s and spilled over. We're coming into mid 90s and entertainment is just, I mean, flourishing for lack of a better word, but the 90s were popping. (laughs) And so I can imagine, right? I I can imagine that during this time, they were like, let's make a movie of this. Let's make a movie of this. And let's, yeah, okay, there's a market for it. And so, yeah, Daredevil had entered the game. with planning uh, with director Chris Columbus. Oh, wow. And you know that name. Yeah. yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, Home Alone, Harry Potter. A lot of very iconic. Very yes. iconic films. <laughs> yeah, so and apparently originally Chris Columbus was at the helm of the original Daredevil film mm. um, before Mark Stephen Johnson took over. So I guess it was just timing, you know, the Hollywood shtick. Um, things, the stars just didn't align anymore. Um, and then Mark Stephen Johnson himself, uh, also known for his directorial work for The Killing Season and Ghost Rider. Yes. Wow. That one. <laughs> so that's, that kind of explains the jump from Daredevil to Ghost Rider in this extended universe that eventually became like a weird floaty, I don't know if it was Lionsgate or Fox or a melding of both. I don't remember yeah. who released Ghost Rider, but... But yeah, you know, that that's kind of what started to happen and eventually it made its way in 2003 
with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner at all. <laughs> so, um, with that, I do have a pop quiz for you. Oh, no. It skews a little comic booky. That's fine. But I think this is a fun one for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're always fun. Yeah. There you go. That's a good answer. So, pop quiz. Daredevil has had his fair share of a rogues gallery, many that overlap with some of our favorite heroes. Among the following, who was the first Matt fought as Daredevil? Was it, now some of these will sound familiar to you, was it Stiltman? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I will mention Stiltman wherever I can. What's your superpower? Uh, <laughs> I'm on stilts. I'm on stilts. Okay, well, what, what, what can you do without the stilts? Ah. Ah. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's so funny. Stiltman. Rhino. Okay. Electro. Oh. Or the Purple Man. The Purple Man? The Purple Man. Best known, perhaps, from Jessica Jones. Oh, that guy. That guy. Oh. Yeah. Wow. First one? Very first one that he fought as Daredevil. God. I'm going to be so mad if it's Rhino, but I really don't think it is. Like, no way. You don't think so? I don't. Don't do that. Oh, you, sorry, you do this all the time. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, doing it, I'm doing it out of genuine curiosity of why. Why that is. I, I just feel like he'd be so overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, if you're Spider-Man, okay, yes. You know, overwhelming, but still, like, he has webs. He can, you know, yeah. get out of it. Daredevil is just, you know, mm-hmm. he has no webs. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's the truth. Um, I want to say... Electro. Mm. I do. Good job. Yes. Electro was the very first actual anti-hero, anti-villain, villain, non-villain, supervillain that he fought. I'm That's back, baby. Yeah. I'm back. Starting out strong. <laughs> when I think of Stillman, so I watched. <laughs> back to I just back. recently started the, the Harley Quinn animated show on oh, HBO. Yeah. You just started. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm like, I've, I've only watched one? the first like three couple okay. episodes. Yeah, it's freaking hilarious. It is hilarious, it's really and I'm like, funny. wow. And so yeah. one of the first episodes, it's 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 Kite Man hitting on a, on Harley, <laughs> <laughs> and, Kite and Man. then and then her and yep. Ivy are just making fun. Yeah, you know, she's Ivy's just like, so you're just a guy that has a kite? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So what are you without the kite? And he's like, well, you you know. <laughs> and I'm yeah, just like, so what are you providing here, bro? Like, what are you providing? Like, quick tangent, but this is kind of why I appreciate James Gunn being in the DCEU, because he's not afraid to take on a character like yeah. Kite Man. You know what I mean? Like, And he proves it with his version of the Suicide Squad, yeah. because they had, oh, God, was it Calendar Man? Calendar was, Man. It was Calendar Man, yes. right? And I'm just like, oh my God, for love, please, yeah. like, please give James Gunn, like, Full allowance yeah. to go down this So, like, after after seeing, like, those couple, those. like, first three or four episodes, I'm like, wow, yeah. should I watch all three, three, two, three, three seasons of it? Three seasons, yeah. Three seasons, and yeah. I'm like, oh, so I can catch up, like, when yeah. the the new season, like, yes. comes on. Like, I know James Gunn is in it, and I'm James like, James Gunn oh. is in it, yeah, <laughs> and Nightwing is officially in it, too. So I'm like, yeah. So yeah. it's just stuff like that, like, 
Pipe man. Kite man. Stilt man. And it's like, okay. Yep. And it's, they're literally that. Okay, what, like, like what, do you, what no, else do you, do you have? Like superpowers? Nope. No. I just know how to fly kites. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and so, you know, when it comes down to, to, to how we're doing run of show this episode, I did change it up a little bit. And I moved his powers up. So we're going to talk about powers next. Just because I feel they're so very significant to to that, which is Daredevil. Yeah. I think we're just we're just going to tackle it right up. So, um, overarching, it's just radioactively enhanced physiology and superhuman sensory system. So like I had previously mentioned, um, Matt begun to, to cultivate a, an athletic lifestyle for mm-hmm. himself and really kind of... Um, foster you know peak performance in his own average human way after the accident um just to kind of help him with um not only coping you know with with being blind but also the bullying from before and all that good stuff and then of course the added value of stick and and stick you know teaching him the ways the mysterious ways of of enhancing your senses um but because of the radioactive you know goop (laughs) if you will (laughs) um Matt's kind of, you know, received these these additional gifts or, you know, um, curses, depending on who you ask. Um, but that which includes, and it's been a while since we've had a list this long. So, <sighs> peak human strength and speed, superhuman touch, reflexes, smell, hearing, and agility, enhanced stamina, taste, balance, endurance, tracking, illusion awareness, blind sight, lie detection, sonar sense, radar, and proximity sense, and person identification so you just can't lie in front of this guy and he can find you no matter where you are which is basically what it comes down to yeah um love that right and he can do things you know like there's this thing like the 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 touch right the superhuman touch Mm -hmm. um they they very much in the origin stories no matter which version you're looking at at least when it comes to the books they really do focus on the fact that he can quite literally touch this Whereas a, a natural or, you know, an, a normal blind person would just feel ridges yes. and need Braille, he could touch it and be like, well, I can feel the ink that's raised up from the paper and he can identify the letters as they wow. are. So that goes for the same for anything. So he can he can pretend all day, oh, the Braille, the Braille. But really, if he... Felt a newspaper. He can, he can, he can, he knows what it says. He can read it. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the same goes for, for impressions and, and pictures. And so he kind of gets an idea just by feeling something, even when it comes to different material colors or different colors in general. Wow. Yeah. Like the sensitivity of his senses is so, so minute and it can go so detailed and granular that he can almost smell the chemical differences. Wow. Yeah. So it's, there's, a whole level to this character that really isn't as explored, at least not forthright. Like they're not like literally saying like, he, like Matt's not like, oh, nice red dress. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's so yeah, much yeah, yeah. science that it's like, it's also a necessary exposition, exposition, right? Yeah. Like you kind of get that he, he can see in his own way. Um, and I think that in the capacity of which they, they kind of tackle it on screen, I think that's adequate. But I would love to see a little more of, a li- like a, li- a like little, a, more. A, like more, one more layer of detail. A little, yeah, just enough. But it is, it is quite supernatural when it comes to the books. So it's kind of like, dang, dude, he's like incredibly skilled, and yeah. I think that's that makes him 
that's why I, I love this character so much because he is a normal man by all means, but he has these exquisite like superhuman attributes that are like so unique. It's so cool. Um, like it's not like flight, and he's not super strong. Yeah. Right. It's not like X-ray vision. Yeah. Or it's not it's like not super laser smart. vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's just got these five senses that are just enhanced and uh, very formidable. Um, and so, of course, with all of those things, especially enhanced hearing, he's vulnerable to loud sounds and anything that could dampen his senses, like his sense of taste. So, oh. um, I guess a good example of that would be like if someone were to somehow somehow poison him because of course because his it, this is where it gets really tricky and why I, I bet as a writer it could be fun because he can smell poison a mile away yes. so how do you poison daredevil yeah but some things that are discreet and have no no scent kind of like uh <laughs> what is it of course it's arsenic Arsenic has no taste or smell. Arsenic. I've never heard yeah. of that. I've never heard about that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the, the thing is, uh, well, Miss True Crime over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're ever given something. Yes. This is the scenario. If you're ever given something that smells, like, deeply of almonds, but it doesn't have almonds in it. Okay. You probably have arsenic waiting for you. Oh, God. And so, that's, like, something that I think could pass the test as far as poisoning Daredevil because it smells like like weird almonds, but it's also undetectable. So back in the 70s, not to fall off this toward going sure. toward this tangent, but in the 70s, it seemed to be, and even older than that, it was easy to poison somebody because it was untraceable and it was easy to get. Uh. And so if somebody just mysteriously died, it was usually by arsenic yeah because they never detected anything yeah wow um so that's that's one of the cases where you know um dampening daredevil senses comes into play and would actually work in someone's favor but otherwise they'd be screwed um and of course individuals that specialize in speed have also uh an edge over him because um they can throttle his senses so they're moving so quickly so like quicksilver for instance or even spider-man yeah he has um, trouble truly connecting and figuring out their movements in comparison to other people because they're just simply going too fast and the chemicals are moving too quickly. The molecules are too quick. Um, so it's like, uh, yeah, there's there's cases, many cases where he and Spider-Man have, you know, fought and... Uh, that's not it's not just because he's spider-man it's also because he's freaking fast yeah <laughs> uh, um that daredevil kind of kind of eats eats dirt um so yeah in the films you know you kind of mentioned it earlier they the way that they present his radar sense is interesting and i did notice i can't remember which one is i think <sighs> i want to say that the daredevil movie has like the blue yes. echolocation, yeah, yes. yeah. right? Yeah, yeah it 100%. is. And then the series is more of the fiery red. It comes in and out. Yes, very faint. faint. Very faint. Yeah, yeah, which I found to be, you know, like, of course, we're talking about superheroes, but I found that to be a, a bit more believable and I think true to the character. Yeah. What did you think between the two? Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I said earlier, like seeing the, the one in the Ben Affleck version, it was like... Yeah. Huh? Like it was cool, but then yeah. you like you get more, you know, 
modern and like real yeah. real time and you're kind of just like it was almost done for like oh, show it's right like, like like corny it's yeah kind of corny you know because it's like it's like it's almost as if he could only rely it seemed like his strongest suit that he had an echo location yes. like it was like a radar like what it, yeah. what what ben affleck's like radar echo location looked like it was mm-hmm. like um what 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 which batman movie was it was it the dark night it was mm. a dark night mm-hmm. when um it was like it was at the ending like where he's talking to lucius fox and you you see all those screens and everything and it's kind oh, of yeah. like the the it was sonar it was literally sonar yeah um so it looked like that and mm-hmm. i'm like okay it's kind of uh, is that really possible like as a as a human condition yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah but, yeah no it's true i agree and i also think that um the way that it's depicted in the series and, and how different it is and it's not so pronounced and so emphasized, it also caters to the idea that, oh, maybe he is relying on his other senses like the smell yes. and, and all of that to kind of almost sense the chemicals, like like the, the colors and such. Yes. Like that, that's, that kind of really makes it more realistic to me because it's not like he can see people at all times necessarily, right? Yeah. Like it, there is his senses are so amplified that he can almost see the radiating dust off of someone's person and all the little follicles that are just constantly coming off of our human bodies. You yes. know what I mean? Um, I know it's gross and science stuff, <laughs> but I, I, that's, that's why I think it, I did appreciate it a lot more when it came to the series. Like granted, of course it's like 15 years difference, but yeah, still, no, I thought that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, did you like one Daredevil more than the other? I mean, this is a dumb question, maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I just fell in love with the with the Charlie Cox uh, sure. series. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just it was just an accumulation, you know, yeah. and a sign of the times, also, yeah. I guess. Like yeah. we're comparing 2003 yeah, to exactly. 2017, yeah. 16. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna progress, and that's and that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but you know. That, that Ben Affleck one does have like yeah. it's like when you I'll just never forget when you first see it, you're like whoa yeah this is never I would seen def- it. I I've said this before I would defend that movie yeah like honestly it's a solid it's a solid it's, it's for, pretty for, solid in 2003 yeah there was only Spider Man it that, have, that yeah, has came out actually and speaking of I and, think and it came X-Men. out like nine months after Spider after Spider Man yeah yeah. So all imagine had, the, the yeah, pressure. All you had was Spider-Man and then I think you know, like X-Men, X-Men or, or Wolverine. Yeah. Um, and then you had this Daredevil. And then I think Blade and Spawn. But I mean, but yes. like it like quote unquote they don't count, you yes. know what I mean? Like that's that's the playing field that they're dealing with. Yeah. There's not there's it's, right. it's a very small sample size. Very small. And so, so yeah, it was it, it was interesting because I just feel like Given the time frame, there were sure, again, there were some elements, and I think you talked about this in another episode where you were like, you had originally, or or you just recently, whatever it was, saw the the playground fighting scene and how cheesy it was because they were like jumping around and they're for, all, uh, for Daredevil, oh, the movie. Yeah. yeah, for the movie. And that they were, they're flopping around on the seesaws and it was like, yeah, yeah. But aside, aside small moments like that, I thought it was pretty <laughs> actual because comic book movies at that time it was all about action and yeah. how like 
they wanted to make sure like the fight scene looked epic right. rather than you know obviously they have to they, then you have to care about a story yeah but at its at its minimum mm-hmm. in, during that time as, yeah. as long as there's like some emotional like driven thing for the main character cool mm-hmm. let's just ride with that but yeah. we're gonna spend this money mm-hmm. on these action scenes and, yeah. these set, and these fight pieces yeah. and everything so exactly yeah. Exactly. And you know, and Jennifer Garner was coming off of the the alias high and and being yes. the it girl of like That's what right. essentially yeah, was like, like modern day and all that. Yeah. yeah, modern day martial artist, you yeah. know. So I I totally get So I totally get why they did stuff like that. And I thought it was fun and it was kind of funny to look back on, but you know, and I also do see where the crossover of like, oh, he's Batman came into play because sure. that version of, of Matt Murdock and Daredevil, you know, like he slept in a water tank to drown out all the sounds. And it's like, but then you're left with all these questions. Like, how did he get a freaking water chamber? Sure. And he has like secret cases for all his costumes and he's got the, the billy clubs and the batons and yeah. he's got multiples of them. Whereas with our modern day version, He's living in this, you know, apartment that nobody else wants because it's on the corner of of Hell's Kitchen where there's a giant billboard outside yep. that lights up at night and he can't see it, so it doesn't matter. And he's also got all his stuff in a freaking treasure trunk. Yeah. And he got it off of lo- offline. <laughs> like, that's what he's left with, you know, before he meets Melvin yeah. Potts, of course, who we'll talk about a little bit about later, but... Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, spanning from the two hours that they had in 2003 versus the nearly 40 hours worth of content as now, recent yeah. as 2015. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, so, yeah, with that, you know, we'll go into family, friends, and affiliations. Um, yeah, you know, I we've talked about Jonathan Jack Murdoch, a.k.a. the devil, a.k.a. the red devil, a.k.a. Batlin Jack Murdoch quite a bit and to spare us from me going into that accent again we won't talk too much about him in addition um but you know in the series well both in the series and the film you know this jack murdoch is a is a great example of a character and an actor who only makes an appearance for a handful of episodes or less Mm -hmm. or minutes even that he makes such an impact on the main character of the medium yeah that he's like he's he's truly like uncle ben level if not even more so right like his his death really proves as serves as a catalyst as much as it impacts matt and his growth as as not only a young man but into his life as daredevil um of course portrayed by john patrick hayden in the series and david keith in the movie um yeah and his story is very 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 similar to the books um, he threw fights to make ends meet. Um, single dad raising Matt, and uh, you know, in the film or at least in the show, he was later murdered by Roscoe Sweeney um, for not taking the fall instead of the fixer and Slade, who was apparently the the, the shooter. Um, but you know, of course, in the series, he he didn't do so without making sure his son was financially secure, um, which I thought they <laughs> it was really. Um, smart how they did that because by planting that little seed of like I want all the money to go into this safety deposit like blah 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 yeah like he made sure his son was somewhat financially secure before 
his knowing an inevitable death, mm-hmm. which I thought is smart. And it's a small but very significant fact that they like plant in. And then you're like, oh, okay. So that's how he gets enough money to go through school yeah. and become a lawyer <laughs> and all that. Um, and before we proceed, it looks like I have <laughs> ah, this fun quiz. Okay. So, admittedly, I didn't know this until I looked it up. Okay. So, but if you can even, (laughs) if you get this question, I'm going to be so unbelievably impressed by you. Oh, no. So, it is cinematic swaying. So, there, you have a very good chance. Believe it or not, Jack Murdoch has appeared in the cinematic universe prior to 2003's Daredevil. What film was it? Oh, God. Granted, there's not many films to choose from, I, oh but God. Oh. but if you can pinpoint where and when, hey. Hold on, I'm not gonna look it up. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> Jack Murdoch. Jack Murdoch. So Jack Murdoch, you don't no. you have no recollection. Okay, negative so, Ghost Rider. Portrayed by actor Scott L. Schwartz, evidently. And confirmed in the novelization of this film. Of course. Right? Like, of course. It's not, like, maybe it's on some cut reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, way back when. But he appeared in 2002's Spider-Man. So let's take Uh, it back. Let's take it back mentally. Like, come with me. Come with me, friends. So, a young Peter Parker is dressed in his ski mask and sweats. And he's making his debut as the spider yes. or as Bruce Campbell's character says Spider-Man on, as kid. before he's before he's getting into the ring there's a wrestler what appears to be a wrestler on a stretcher and he's like I can't feel my legs uh, and he's dressed in red and yellow uh, and he has a devil or horn like headdress on his head you gotta watch that scene again apparently that's Jack Murdoch Wow. Yeah. I was like, dude, that's like, they name him by name in the novel. Wow. They say Jack the Devil Murdoch is being like pulled away from the ring as as Peter looks on. And so, of course, you know, the reasoning behind that is that like, oh, it doesn't look at, you know, like, oh, it doesn't even look like him. Um, But they wanted to kind of modernize and think, okay, well, Maybe Jack wanted to try something different that wasn't boxing. And here it is. Yeah. You see it? <laughs> this guy. Oh. You remember now? Yeah. <laughs> so he's wearing red and yellow and he's got horns. And they're like, it's, it's like a devil. Very, yeah. It's a vague devil. It's a wrestler yeah. devil. But yeah, so the story was evidently that, you know, he wanted to try something different other than boxing. And so he tried. Wrestling. Wrestling. I love that scene, by the way. Crazy. Yeah. Where are you going? <laughs> I got you for three minutes. <laughs> you ain't going Who nowhere. What's, it, what's his name? The was it Randy name? Savage? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was it Rip? Didn't he just pass yeah, away? Yeah, yeah. Oh. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he mangled Jack Murdoch. Wow. <sighs> and then, um, you know what I find about, what I find special about Matt is that he has both parents in in his storyline 
So, mm-hmm. you know, when he was first introduced, they kind of went with this ploy of, oh, the mom is dead. It was kind of like the easy way of not having to to muster the exposition up to create another character. But yeah. over time, and especially in modern times, they've reintroduced the concept that is his mother, um, known as Margaret Maggie Grace Murdoch. Um, and so what essentially had happened, and they fleshed this out in more modern times, I want to say this was during Mark Wade, maybe mid-2010s, um, uh, they introduced they reintroduced uh, Maggie into the fray, and so more of their story started to surface. And so what it essentially had happened is that Maggie and Jack, um, you know, they got together young, they had Matt young, and she suffered... Um, what many young or what many women have when they give birth and and that's postpartum depression and postnatal depression. So she had it throughout the entire length of her becoming a mother um, after, you know, Matt's birth. And so mental illness started to settle in um, and it made her paranoid. It made her paranoid that Jack was coming after her, that things were just not as good as they always seemed, that she hated herself, self-loathing, and that Matt was like like almost some devil baby, no no pun intended, like that Matt was wow. sent to ruin their lives. And so um she <laughs> there's a there's an issue and it's actually quite troubling where she like assaults the child. Jeez. And Jack loses his mind. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you can't, this is our child, you know? Yeah. Um, And so, you know, Maggie finally comes to her senses and then she abandons the family. She runs off and she's on her own. She's taken in by, by a church mm-hmm. and then she decides to change her life and become Sister Margaret. So she becomes a nun. Wow. Yeah, so this, it, it really does incorporate more into the the religious aspects that is daredevil's world right mm-hmm. like he's a devil quote-unquote by nature and he looks like a devil quote-unquote and and all these attributes and, and and aspects of his name also being matthew and, Mer- and michael his middle name is michael um so all these catholic um attributes are laced into this character's origin um and you know they kind of pulled stuff from sister margaret over to the series and we don't see that until i believe season three so you didn't quite make it unfortunately but it's 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 quite good it's it's pretty awesome um she's portrayed in the mcu by joanne wally and isabella piscane um she first appears when she first appears i think she first appears in season one, I want to say. Okay. Ringside, there's a bunch of nuns that come up to the oh, ring. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so she's one of those. And, uh, you know, uh, in the series, she ends up tending to Jack's wounds as, as you know, he's a boxer in his prime. They fell in love. They got married. They bore the child. And then the same thing happened to her postpartum. And then she just turned to a life of religion after all of that stuff. Um, and then she didn't return until, again, season three. And now she was taking care of Matt. So you watched Defenders? No. <laughs> not, 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 not much of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so at the, basically at the end of the season, um, you know, Matt and Electra are... are the buildings crumbling and Matt and Electra are essentially buried underneath it. And 
Electra's body is never found, but Matt is recovered. But nobody knows who he is, and he wakes up in what appears to be a Catholic church or, a, you know, some sort of uh, relief room or almost like a hospital, but not quite. And there's a nurse tending to him. And later in that season of Daredevil season three, yeah, it's revealed that it's his mother. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yes. I it think I think. Yes, 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 yes. Full circle. Full wow. circle. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I really loved that they, <sighs> they kind of brought his origins really, they brought it back, like in a sensible way that didn't need decades long storytelling, but you did have to kind of <laughs> hang with all, you know, the two seasons and then uh, Defenders and then a little bit of this, a little bit of that before arriving in season three, but um, yeah, the woman that portrayed uh, adult Maggie, um, Joanne Wally, she was just absolutely great. I, I loved her portrayal. And um, yeah, Matt Matt does end up forging a very good relationship with his mother in the books as well um, mm-hmm. in his adult life. Their story is very complicated. <laughs> like there's that because of that whole thing like, oh, she had died, but she wasn't um, really dead. Yes. And, and yeah, she was abusive. But, you know, things things you know, got better and, and yeah, it's definitely a great storyline to read and, and watch. Um, and then of course there are other characters in, in Matt's proximity and periphery. Um, one of which is of course the one that we've spoken about already, Franklin Percy, quote unquote, foggy Nelson, (laughs) Franklin Percy. (laughs) That's like a very like proper name. Yeah. Franklin Percy Nelson, otherwise known as foggy. 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 Um, Matt's best friend, confident and partner at Nelson and Murdoch. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, in the books, he earned his nickname after Foghorn from Matt during their college years because he used to snore a lot. Oh. <laughs> so he, Matt would be like, you sound like a foghorn. And he's like, Foggy. <laughs> We're going to call you Foggy. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the relationship these two have is incomparable. Foggy is uh, is truly serving as the balance of the scales that that Matt needs for both himself and Daredevil. So you know, throughout the both the issues and the series, and you know, even the movie a little bit, you kind of get served these bits and pieces. Like you go through this journey with Foggy that has been kind of duplicated in things like Spider-Man with Ned mm-hmm. where he's his right-hand man and he's completely unaware that he is this other persona then you kind of get to see it when it comes to a head and they have the moments of of contention and fighting and you know sussing it out for for Foggy in particular it was kind of impactful in a way because like you know they had been friends for so long and they do fight like they 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 put bad people away yeah <laughs> and you know there was something in the series in season 1 of the series that really struck a chord with me and i think you know elden nailed it in that he says something like you know so all those times i lied to you you knew can you imagine like yeah. you and your best friend and then he tells you like oh by the way but I've known <laughs> I've, I've known that you've BS'd yeah. me this entire time yeah so all these they're very personal things come to light and then of course the, the anger of like you could die at any time doing this nonsense yeah. and then you know all these things compacting into it 
Um, Foggy's really been like, and he's truly like one of those characters. Like, he's a pillar. He's a pillar for this character. He is like I don't want to say Aunt May, but he is an Aunt May level where. If super important, super yeah. duper important. If this character were to go away in any capacity, at one point, Foggy gets cancer in the books, mm. and uh, and you know, Matt cares about Foggy so deeply on a level that's like beyond br- blood brothers, right? They're really like chosen family. That he he asks Ant Man to help him, like shrink down. And he goes into Foggy's body to try and cut away the cancer. Yeah. And it worked for a small amount of time, but it didn't get rid of it. It just kind of made it benign, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like, th- that's the level in which Matt cares about Foggy. And, and they they make it very clear that they have this loving relationship in, in the series as well. I don't know about in the movie. <laughs> the movie, it's not like they had a lot of time to play with it but yeah. with John Favreau as as Foggy um obviously uh against Ben Affleck you know you get bits and pieces of their relationship but it was definitely like you know partnership uh as far as that's concerned um and of course you know portrayed by Eldon Henson in the series um they're the avocados at law <laughs> avocados yeah. at law avocados um yeah you know some of the best scenes in the film and the series come from from these two. And I think Eldon um, really comes to... He really gets on his game, I think, midway through the season. Yeah. He's definitely on it by season two. Season two, I'm so much more convinced that he is Foggy Nelson. Yeah. Whereas before, it was kind of like slow to... He's he's getting there, especially when you're contending with Charlie Cox. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Cox Their chemistry, though, is really good on screen. Both of them. They complement each other really well. Yeah. Do you think they'll bring him back? I don't know. That's tough, like, bringing back those other, other like, kind of, like... Because there's just no way they can't have him. Like, they yeah. just can't have him. Can't like the, not Like, the have audience him. is already used to yeah. to these certain characters surrounding um, at least Charlie Cox, Daredevil. And Murdoch, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, it's like... Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I agree. And, yeah, of course, you know, Foggy kind of falls into the, uh, the, 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 the group of someone we could definitely go further into. So, we're not going to touch too much on him mm-hmm. um next on the docket the night nurse claire temple so we've previously discussed the role of the night nurse in i believe our hawkeye episode with linda carter yes who's named after the wonder woman actress um and so uh she's portrayed by rosario dawson in the series we did receive a listener question via twitter joe liz thanks <laughs> um she's who simply said it's actually more of a con a, a comment than a question but she said you know i want to know all about him and claire temple and <laughs> almost immediately i said to myself i said oh joe liz is going to be so dis- disappointed because uh. in all honesty there is no not much crossover with with matt and claire when mm-hmm. it comes to the books, she is by far a Luke Cage character. Uh, okay. She comes from the Luke Cage territory. And um, and yeah, and she actually made her debut in Hero for Hire, which was Luke Cage's comic back in the day. Number two in May 1972. So she's been around for, wow, is that 50 years? Holy smokes, that's 50 wow. years. She's been around for 50 years. Um, so, so... Rosario plays a a very prominent role, but 
you know, unfortunately when it comes to Matt Murdock, it's actually not quite as, as, um, prominent, I guess, to repeat myself, than she would be in the Luke Cage world. So we'll save more of her for herself as well as a Luke Cage episode. But, you know, I did, I do appreciate, I love that she, um, I will say that I love that Claire is kind of like this moving entity within yes. all of the defenders, right? Yes. She made her way in every series, I think. She did. Did she wish, oh, yeah, this is And dumb. not all of them, but yeah. <laughs> she definitely were like, oh. Yeah, she's there. <laughs> she's there in some capacity. She makes an appearance or two. Loved her in Jessica Jones. Loved her in the Defenders. Loved her in the Daredevil series. So, um, yeah, I, I love the dynamic that they've actually made there. And, and there is a reason why she's very prominent when it comes to Luke Cage, the series as well. And it's because of the comics. So, Sorry, Joe Liz. There's not much to talk about, but they had some great chemistry as well. Um, and then there's Ben Yurick, who, um, you know, in the books, he's a he's a Daily Bugle journalist. Um, then later, The Pulse, which is which in in the comics is essentially J. Jonah Jameson decided to create another like publication. Mm. that focused solely on superheroes and the enhanced. And so he called it the pulse. Uh And so he put this journalist on that publication. Ben Urich, I mean, he's gigantic. He's integrated in so many different comic book arcs and titles and stories. Like he, he outed Norman Osborn as the green goblin. Oh wow. Like he is all over the board. So there's no corner of the Marvel universe. This man hasn't touched. Um, but they did bring him into both the film and the series. Um, flip that, he's portrayed by Vondi Curtis Hall in the series, and then Joe Pataliano in the film, mm-hmm. who is very much the. <laughs> he reminds me a bit of a young Joe Pesci. <laughs> and <laughs> do you remember this nice. guy? He's the guy that had like the the paperboy hat, and he had an earring, and he had glasses. Vaguely. Yeah, and he'd always be like, "So what's the scoop on Daredevil?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he was constantly he was he was that guy after the subway scene and he flicks his cigarette onto the fire or the 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 gas that's outlined as the daredevil symbol uh, that's the guy and then wow. they messed up the reflection in his eyes um but anyway yeah that's that's joe uh Pataliano and he, i th- thought he was really great um but yeah you know in the cinematic universe he's a journalist for the new york bulletin or the New York Post, depending on which version you're watching. Um, and yeah, in the series, I thought Vondi Curtis Hall did such a great job. He's such a big part of season one mm-hmm. um, that I think when he inevitably meets his fate at the hands of Kingpin, <laughs> um, they kind of left a, a gaping hole to be filled that then Karen Page steps up to in, in season two. But um yeah, he was essentially a journalist that that was on. You know, he wanted to do he wanted to do better stories than just covering different colors of train stops. <laughs> and he Daredevil happened to be the Devil of Hell's Kitchen happened to be his chosen um, topic, and unfortunately, that did not do him any favors. Um, and then there's the priest. So I just call him the priest because <laughs> depending on which, like, okay. Again, Matt is a good Catholic boy. He falls into a lot of churches. Yeah. He's always meeting new religious people. Yeah. So the priest is kind of like this revolving prominent figure in his life, both in the books and the and the f- cinematic universe. And that, yes. you know, 
there's never it's never just the same guy. There's always different people. And so um while only one of the two featured in the cinematic series is actually based on a character from the books, it said that the one from Affleck's film was named in a homage to Daredevil co-creator Bill Everett. Mm. So who is Father Everett? Uh. Um and then the other, Father Lantham, is based on an existing character originating from The Runaways. Got it. So they're plucking stuff left and right. One thing that I do love about the film is that they have an endless number of Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. So there's Joe Casada, there's David Mack, there's there's Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. There's they're naming all these people. I think Bill Everett is also one. Well, yeah, the, the priest. Um, but they drop all these names on top of Stanley having his his cameo. Oh, that's right. <laughs> walking across the street or not walking across the street um, as well. But yeah, the, the, the priest, um, Father Lantham, Paul Lantham, portrayed by Peter McRobbie in the series, and then Father Everett, portrayed by Derek O'Connor. Um, both were very great, very, you know, well-rounded roles. I believe uh, uh, Father Lantham dies in the series, which is really sad, but he was fantastic. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, well, you know, that's, well, how do you feel about that whole aspect, right? The religious aspects that are pulled into what this character is. I mean, if it's, if it's it's been established in the comics, you know, it's like, okay, they're just pulling and it's like another way. I I, I remember that. I was like, like he's always asking like father for, Mm -hmm. you know, like guidance and forgiveness. Oh yeah. Like I've done some really, you know, like it's part of who the character is. Like, yeah. It's, like, he's figuring himself out because he's battling with this like thing of like I'm um I'm Matt Murdock but I'm also this vigilante quote unquote mm-hmm. so it's kind of like uh, you know it's a battle and I think like having that that priest character mm-hmm. like helps him like you know mm-hmm. h- help himself balance himself out yeah so because he's like he's communicating his grievances and also his he's admitting to his faults like yeah and it is interesting that it's like. For a man that's not readily so religious, he is spiritual enough yes. that he feels like he'll be somewhat absolved yeah. <laughs> of his sins. Then there's like irony in yeah. it too. It's like this character is named Daredevil, but he's going to the church yeah. for help exactly. or guidance. So yeah. I think there's like that kind of like yeah. ir- ironic part of it. Yeah. And that's also something that I think, you know, like again, for the people that swear, you know, by the high heavens that that daredevil is red batman i'm like this sure there are similarities like maybe there's like an air of like oh well bruce goes to um you know to pennyworth to like oh sure. this is what i did and he was like an older male figure that allows him to expel his demons if you will but i i don't think there's there i just don't think they're that similar they have very similar attributes mm. but i don't think they're the same character um you know and then of course people moved on that moon knight and batman are the same person i'm like no they're not <laughs> they're still not the same yeah. they have similar things but you know that what superhero doesn't have something in common with another or in this case a vigilante um yeah i always thought that the religious aspects of this character were really interesting and very unique yeah. Because I feel like religion's like one of those things. It's very like taboo. Taboo for, for sure, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the way that they've magnificently done it, especially with the series, I think is 
yeah, it's something new and something, it still retains its dark level of grit while at the same time, like falling in line with these, I don't know, traditional practices of like, mm-hmm. If you're like Catholic, for instance, you, you kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, 12 Hail Marys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It all checks. Um, and then, of course, the defenders <laughs> comprised of Daredevil Jones, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Woo! Um, woo! I d- again, I don't want to talk too much about them. Granted, we have talked about Jessica Jones. Yes. I believe in episode, I want to say eight. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know better. You know that. You know, you know episodes. <laughs> you uh, know I'll, movies. I'll do the dates. I'll do the dates. Yeah, you do. I'll stick with the dates. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we've spoken about Jess before, so um, please go back and listen to that. But yeah, um, you know, in the books, God, what can I say? Their their modern era soul uh like title they have their own title it's you know it's been a book since the seventies as well but yeah. their modern age book with this specific team is incomparable it's so so great and uh, I believe is it Bendis I think Bendis wrote it and then um uh Dave Marquez did the art and it is absolutely sensational um I will like right off the bat recommend that there's an issue in that arc where Iron Fist and Elektra are fighting mm-hmm. and there's zero dialogue. There's like four pages of just fighting. Straight fighting. But I swear to you, and I said this on on Twitter when I picked up that issue that day, I was like, you can hear each blow in each panel because it's so well drawn and the the the, the fluidness of the of how quick both characters are. Yeah. It's so good. Like, you just have to read it. Um, but yeah, you know, in, when it comes to the books, the Defenders have all been Avengers at one point. <laughs> um, nice. So, so they, they have these shared experiences and intersecting paths that make them great candidates for the unexpected team overall. And, you know, kind of up front, they're all kind of a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> and they're kind of like, they're... they're underdogs in a way they're they're rough around the edges and um they don't quite fit anywhere else but together um and that trans transcends and translates over to the cinematic universe very well um of course the defenders uh, portrayed by Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones Mike Coulter as Luke Cage and Finn Jones as Iron Fist I just realized he is also a Jones <laughs> um yeah, and the miniseries at large dealt with Elektra in the hand, as well as the associated sub characters from all of, all of the series, which I I really loved as a as a Defenders fan. But yeah, you didn't you didn't, didn't see all of them. It. Yeah, I wasn't like super. Just like, you got to go for it, man. It's yeah. so good. It's There's just a so lot good. of those that like the Netflix series. I I just fell off because yeah. I think for me it was I it was like Daredevil. Boom, blew through that. Yeah, easy, easy. I think Jessica Jones moved through it too. Oh, uh. And then I think I slowly kept up with Luke Cage. Luke Cage, think, admittedly, is a little slow. And I don't know if I, I don't good. think I ever finished it. It was just, I just like, mm. I don't know. I was, I don't, I'm not going to say I wasn't like not, not into it, but mm-hmm. I think just like Life. me <laughs> setting a, a certain amount of time just to sit down and watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I, I have a short attention span, so mm. I just like stopped. And yeah. I, I didn't even watch Iron Fist. <laughs> And then the, poor Iron yeah, Fist. and then yeah, like defenders, no, I, didn't, sure. I didn't even, I didn't even yeah. do it just because I was just like, I, I think I was just like, I just, 
I totally did get it. Did I have time to just, yeah. I would say if you're going to pick up anything, just pick up Defenders. Noted. Defenders is it. No, Just go for it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, when it came to the end of the series, spoiler alert, sorry, Jeff. <laughs> um, what? <yeah. laughs> like I mentioned before, you know, like the, the, it weighs very heavily. It's it's taken stories from season two of Daredevil as, where, as well as the other Defenders series. And so by the time that they arrive at Defenders, it's very much about Elektra and and her potentially being the Black Sky, which is the leader of the Hand. Yes. Um, and so at this point, she's already died. She's come back. She's just possessed in, 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 you know, for lack of better wording. And by the end of the series, Matt's really intent on on bringing her back, um, not to life, but Evanescence. Got Quick it. tangent. Got it. Daredevil is why I'm, I like Evanescence. Wow. Mm-hmm. So if, what a connection. Right? If not, because, you know, I've mentioned this before. I used to collect all the soundtracks back yes. in the day. And so when it came to the Daredevil, Daredevil soundtrack... What song was introduced wow. but Bring Me to Life and Evanescence, which is how I met the band, became friends wow. with the band, and then got credited in their second album. Whoa. Wake me up. Wake me up inside. Can't wake up. Bring me up inside. Save Wow. I kill that song at karaoke. Wow. But yes, it's wow. all because of Daredevil. It's all because of Daredevil. So, <laughs> anyway, um, he was attempting to bring her back to life or bring her bring her with him. And essentially, the building was like succumbing to this supernatural power. It fell on them. And like I mentioned with Maggie Murdoch, Matt's body was recovered. Electra is still nowhere to be found. <laughs> um, yeah, and then that basically brings us to the current tense. So, we'll see what, what they end up retconning. Yeah, or keeping. I guess as we see as we see more of him, yeah, we'll see like what they do keep right. and what new I guess parts or portions they're going to introduce exactly, and where they want to see his exactly story go exactly. And so some side mentions. I want to keep these quick because again, another few <laughs> characters that they're all such prominent characters in their own manner. Um, I don't want to talk about them in fleeting like this. So, um, side mention for Frank Castle, the Punisher, who's introduced in season two of Daredevil. Um, anti-hero in the books, best described by Wikipedia as a vigilante who employs murder, kidnapping, extortion, coercion, uh, threats of violence, and torture in his campaign against crime. Wow. <laughs> and so easily said, you know, that, that very campaign against crime is, is what brings him and Daredevil together. Um... And in the books, you know, surprisingly enough, they're, Matt and Frank were childhood friends, um, but they had nothing less of a contentious relationship as adults. And so, you know, they kind of have these moments where they, they recollect, you know, like what they used to be before, like life corrupted them, if you will. Um, so they have that going for them. But in the series, um, you know, Frank Castle, the Punisher portrayed by John Bernthal, who I love in this role. Oh my God. He's, he's amazing. so, he's so fantastic. Uh, amazing. Not only as an actor, but especially as, as Frank, um, he enters in season dare, uh, dare, daredevil season two, um, looking to clean up the streets of crime. Uh, and the mafia. Um, he makes the people of the city question the validity of having vigilantes roam free at all. Um, so that's kind of where his quote-unquote relationship with Daredevil comes to play and 
that's like literally they spend two episodes where Daredevil's just chained up and they're just talking. <laughs> so it's a lot of framing and, and building off of that. Um, and of course he got his own spinoff show. So clearly something worked out. Oh yeah. And, and I definitely hope he comes back. Um, I hope so too. God, I would love to see him again as a Punisher. Um, and then of course our friend, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man himself, Peter Parker, um, in the books, they first met as early as Amazing Spider-Man number 16. So that, I would say, is, yeah, just shortly after Matt, maybe right after Daredevil, probably 1964 somewhere. Um, <laughs> their, their story is kind of funny. Um, so Karen and Foggy take Matt to the circus, even though he can't see anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> They thought, hey, let's lift up his spirits and bring him to places where he just smells elephant poop all the time. Um, and this, this supervillain called the Ringmaster uh-huh. um, decides to hypnotize everyone so they can steal their money and, <laughs> and all this stuff. But... Because Daredevil blind. Has, is blind, he cannot be hypnotized. And so he doesn't fall for it at all, um, but even Spider-Man does. So Matt tra- changes into Daredevil, essentially saves the day, knocks Peter out of his... Hypnot- trance, Yeah, because yes. they even squabble. They fought. Um, but he knocked him out of the trance, and all was good in gravy, and they've had a relationship ever since. And it was kind of rocky at first, but to be perfectly honest, even in these modern books, like they're really rekindling in a way that is very brotherly-like and they look after each other very closely. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's it's more than just the jokey Team Red stuff. You know, like when Daredevil, when, when Daredevil, when Deadpool's in the mix, it's a different story. Yes. Like it is Team Red, like ridiculous. But when it comes to just Spider-Man and Daredevil as Team Red, it's like next level, perfect combo of a duo that you can imagine because yeah. they're both obviously exceptional superheroes. Um, and of course, portrayed by Tom Holland in the MCU. Uh, so I, who I hope to see again one I day. I hope so. Hope so. <laughs> in big boy pants. Um, and yeah, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show, No Way Home has additional footage with Matt. Um, yeah, there's a few seconds in the scene where he says, I'm a very good lawyer. Um, he has an extra scene with, Fo- oh, God, I almost said it again, with Foggy, with John Favreau is happy, um, which I thought was really good because, again, it was another, you know, Matt, the, 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 the lawyer, yeah. yeah, um, you know, in front of, a in front of his defense team or, you know, prosecutors, um, yeah, I, I I can't wait to see more of him in the MCU, which, of course, God, I'm going to eat my words if he's in this week's episode of She-Hulk. Um, oh, if, he, if, 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 if he's... If Matt shows up this week and just dropped and we just recorded, I'm going to be like, man... Yeah, well, it's okay. It's okay. That's what I get for that's what I get for for thinking he was going to show up in two or three. Um, so yeah, if if he showed up by now. Wow. Yay. Uh, we have something to talk about. But that brings me to, of course, She-Hulk, um, who in the comics, you know, he has crossed paths many a time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've mentioned this before that they have they have been at opposing ends um, at, the, at the bench together, you know, um, representing and defending different people. And, and so they're no stranger to one another. And so that'll be interesting to see how Charlie Cox and Tatiana Maslany 
Can't uh, wait. <laughs> after chemistry. Um, but you know what else? You know who else has chemistry with, with Matt Murdock? It's his love interests. A lot of them. <laughs> and a lot of them. Um, many of which do not end well. He's got a, a criminal record when it comes to women. Because there's like a running joke that all the women he ever dates dies. That is unfortunate. It's so messed <laughs> up. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um and so when it comes to his love life, Matt Murdock's record is less than stellar. Uh, we won't go into all of his relationships, uh, but I wanted to give an honorable mention to Typhoid Mary and Gloriana O'Brien um, as we concentrate on the following. Let Typhoid, fly. Yeah, Typhoid Mary was actually in the Electra movie, uh, but yeah, again, they didn't have any, there was no Daredevil tie in there, so there's not even a point to mention her, but she is a very interesting character who was, you know, she spans many, many universes as far as these heroes are concerned. Um, but to concentrate on Daredevil's lovely ladies, um, Karen Page. The most familiar name, at least if you're a fan of the series. So let me just <laughs> let me just preface. She is the topic of the color series when it comes to Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb's yes. color series that I love so much. She's Daredevil Yellow. Um Karen <laughs> let's just say Karen's less than perfect. She's not exactly Gwen Stacy material. Um she's very flawed, very, very um not unusual but unorthodox unorthodox is a good word or unconventional unconventional maybe even better because you know like I said before a big thing between like if you were to compare and contrast Daredevil and Spider-Man yeah Daredevil is undeniably darker and more unresolved and and very complex compared to to Spider-Man and the more I don't want to say happy-go-lucky but Mm -hmm. you know it's a lighter story got it um but with Karen Page. <laughs> so like many females of the Silver Age, Karen was the focus of many villains' abductions. So if there was a scenario with Daredevil and Karen was in the panel, she's probably getting kidnapped in some capacity. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, but she later gets a job at Nelson and Murdoch as their secretary, and she started to fall for Matt almost immediately. She's like, oh, he's so handsome. The hand- it's unfortunate he's blind. Like, they would write this stuff. I was like, dude, that is not politically correct anymore. <laughs> the 60s were wild. So, like, oh, he's so handsome. God, he's yeah, blind. Yeah, she's like, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, that was his choice. Like, exactly. he doesn't have a choice. It's almost exactly what they say. Like, she's like, he's so handsome. It's unfortunate he can't see. And I was like, Oh, um, <laughs> and so anyway, like Foggy, Foggy gets so jealous because he finds her attractive, and he's like, mm. oh, "I wish she would talk about me that way." <laughs> Foggy's like, "You can't even see her." <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's so messed up. Which they kind of carried over to the they series, I, yeah, yeah. I remember that. yeah, and the movie, like Favreau, yeah. he's just like, "How does how does he how does he do that?" <laughs> like he doesn't even see these girls. So funny. Uh, it's so ridiculous. And so Karen actually, um, you know, she worked with them in New York. She was a new newcomer to the city as it was. But, you know, somewhere down the line, she kind of, she left New York to pursue an acting career in L.A. And she, this is, at this point, she knew that Matt was Daredevil. And she didn't approve of it. Mm. Didn't like it. She wasn't down for it. She was like, you know what? You, you, do, you. you do that. Yeah. I'm going to go to L.A. and become an actress. Yes. And so... Caught in some unfortunate crossfires, 
This is where I can't wait for your reaction. Karen became a drug addict, stoned on heroin, and then became a porn actress. Whoa, <laughs> my God. What a like zero to 100 yeah. moment for sure. Totally. So, I mean, like, imagine if you will, like, the bright and vivacious Deborah Ann Wall. Yes. That we see in the series. I know. Like, going down, the, which I almost thought they were going to do. I almost thought about it. Like, even when she's introduced into the show and, like, her first appear, her first scene is her waking up next to a dead body. I thought, oh, they didn't waste any time. They jumped right to the Karen that was shooting and doing stuff that's not necessarily, you know, like, wholesome. Um, but they didn't. Like, they completely went a different r- route with her. And so... In the, yeah, in the comics, she she went down this path of like that's you dark. Know, yeah, super super dark. Long story short, Karen sold out Matt's identity as Daredevil. Jeez. For like probably for drug money. Uh huh. Um, but then she cleaned up. She got better, and then she got diagnosed HIV positive. Holy snaps, like, Oh my literally, god. Yeah, she's got a very unfortunate backstory, and then. Um, during a battle, she, you know, she, like truly she was on the mend. So Bullseye and Daredevil were fighting as they do. Bullseye took build, the build club, tried to kill, kill Daredevil. She jumps in the way mm-hmm. and she dies by Matt's own, uh, apparatus. That's the crazy thing about the series, at least first and foremost, is that I, I thought that that would be a bigger plot point, but... I do understand that they're trying to do better about characters like Karen Page that yeah. were written in the 60s very, during a very misogynistic yes. era. And so they try yeah. to do better by her. So she's still alive in the series. She is. She was in The Punisher. She's she's made it. I love her too. Four I love or De- five seasons. Deborah Ann. Um, she's a great actress. I fell in love with her like as a character. Yeah, yeah, she's I was great. Like, oh, she's so pretty. And she's, then she's so sweet, and she's yeah. also incre- like very like helpful. She's not like no damsel in distress right. type of character. Right. Like she's there, like with Matt through the thick of everything. Right. And then that's kind of what I meant when when Ben Urich was taken out, that he left this this whole like to be filled, and I feel like they kind of just went oh. Well, Karen could fit that mold. And so they kind of made her like a baby journalist in a way. Yeah. Where she started to to, to do the, the recon and the work that Ben might have been doing on his own. Um, but she was portrayed by Ellen Pompeo in the movie. Did you remember that? Oh, like, gosh. I think she's in it for like five seconds. Pro- uh, probably. But Ellen frickin' Pompeo yeah. was like... Wow. Was Karen Page before Deborah Ann Wool. So bizarre. Um... Yeah, so the, they amplified her beyond a sex secretary um, in both the film and the series, and now she's kind of a, I don't know what to call her, I guess she's a journalist, and we'll see if she comes back, let alone what she ends up doing, yeah. but part of me wants to see that terrible story, because <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing that it's, really it's, does it's define... It's so, like, yeah. like, down there, right? It's like, so, wow. yeah, that's really, like, yikes. That's yeah. If they want to take it dark and gritty, that's the way to do it. I know. And then another love interest that we have very briefly touched upon in our Black Widow episode, <laughs> Natasha Romanoff. <laughs> so, so I believe I, I mentioned this these facts in the episode as well. So you can feel free to go back and listen to it. But you know, while dating, the duo moved to San Francisco. They left New York behind to start a new life, so to speak. 
Um, the romance didn't last long. Matt was kind of awful to her. <laughs> um, and they both ended up returning to New York after splitting um, and live their lives, yeah. you know, because like he just, it just never, it was never meant to work for that particular team red. Um, nice. Of course, portrayed <laughs> by Scarlett Johansson. And imagine. You. Imagine though. Wow. Right? See, that's what I like doing. Wow. It's like, dude, can you imagine? Um, well, I didn't get Winter Widow, so no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and she's dead. But who knows? Maybe they'll have a flashback. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. She's dead, y'all. She's dead. And then I had a weird epiphany the other day. I was like, what if they like went there with Charlie Cox and Florence Pugh? It's technically a, a widow daredevil. It's technically, a, I don't know what they call it, like a dare widow. <laughs> Widow devil? Widow devil. Black devil? Black devil. But then that would be Batman. Because if if, Uh, if Daredevil is red Batman, then Batman is black Daredevil or black devil. (laughs) We'll see. Which brings us to Kristen McDuffie, who has not yet made her MCU appearance. But, you know, I have... A good feeling we might see her pop up somewhere. Um, what is there to say about Krista McDuffie? So, um, she is part of the more modern era of books, mid-2010s-ish, uh, penned by, not penned, but drawn by uh, Chris Samney. Um, so, Matt ended up returning to San Francisco um, where he met this assistant district attorney who constantly attempted to get him to admit he was daredevil so this is like the first time someone's actually been you know what i think that blind guy is daredevil (laughs) (laughs) and it really made kristen kirsten sorry kirsten's like personality stand out because she challenged she saw it and she didn't outrule it It is very lawyer very district district attorney of her she was like no 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 I'm I'm observing these the, like these happenings. I think he's Daredevil, and so <laughs> as a result, I have these amazing panels I got to show you. She would take these. <laughs> she would do these things to to kind of get Matt to admit he was Daredevil, Daredevil, right? And so in one in one point, she's like, "Hey, catch!" And she like throws stuff at him, and then move this way, move. Swipe it to the left a little bit. Uh-huh, okay. And then, yeah, and then she'll, like, like... Oh, this is when he's not wearing... He's yeah. wearing the I'm Not Daredevil. Yeah, he used to do this thing where he wore an, an I'm Not Daredevil sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. That's so ridiculous. And then tap out, like, tap back. And then... Jesus. She would wear a bra, and she it says... <laughs> you, you are, are Daredevil. Daredevil. And she would flash him and be like, is anything bothering you, Matt? <laughs> and he's like desperately trying to hide just like just like shaking yeah just he's shaking, shaking and he's pink and he's like no what are you talking about and so she she constantly tested his his ability to essentially hold the poker face when it came to being daredevil and so she never quite got it out of him but because of his track record foggy ultimately told her hey Matt is daredevil. Wow. Because he didn't want to see her get hurt. He um, didn't want to see, yeah. Yeah. And so their story is very fun. It does go through all these, you know, peaks and valleys. More recently, um, 
there there was a very elaborate storyline where you know she entered his life very briefly and and almost met the same fate as his previous loves but she is alive and well and yeah no MCU counterpart yet so I don't know I I think it would be great to see Kirsten McDuffie in the in in the MCU somewhere um be very fun to to kind of get to know that character um but we'll see yeah and then that leaves <laughs> God, this is, she's one of my favorite characters, but she's so problematic. <laughs> Electra Nachios. Um, so let's just run down the comic book stats real quick. She is the college sweetheart um, of Matt Murdock with an unfortunate backstory. So her father, um, in short, was a U.S. Greek ambassador. He moved from Greek to New York with his daughter. Um, her mother passed away when she was a child. Um had originally sought to be a member of the chaste with sticks. So there was this, you know, again, this is something that I don't want to get into because I could do an episode, um, that totally focuses on stick or, or even Electra, but, um, there, the, there's the chaste and there's the hand. Uh And so basically she wanted to become a member of the chaste, but basically her rage and anger issues just made her a terrible candidate for, they would not take her at all. And so Stick kind of refused her her acceptance. Um, and she's so complex of a character that even despite the warnings from Stick and even Foggy. <laughs> so Foggy got to know her, you know, as well in college. And both of these men were like, Matt, don't date this woman. <laughs> she's, she's, she's like, she's kind of crazy. Um, which of course isn't something you know to to be said lightly, but she's truly like she's got some some rage issues and whatnot. Um, he he said, you know what, screw it, I love her. <laughs> 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 and and so what began there was like this this duel duo of like this dangerous dangerous duo yeah. where they brought out the best and worst and in each other and I'm sure we've all been there in some capacity but they're very much that couple where together they were invincible but also oh god they're invincible like they there there's no limits there's no boundaries between the two of them and so um very much like we've seen uh in in cinematic um in the cinematic universe her father is killed in the crossfire um and it usually ends up having daredevil you know present in some way but in the books it was a rescue mission gone wrong um you know it it just didn't happen matt tried to save her he ended up getting shot by police because you know just terrible terrible stuff yeah um anyway you know it doesn't help her situation any she then ends up later joining the chase rival group the hand Ah. and so that's when that's when this real crossover happens because she's like you know if they don't want me then I'm just going to go to the other side. The hand is like, oh, we'll take you. Yeah, you can, yeah, you'll be be one of us. And they're they're deranged and very complex. And, and anyway, they, they, play, they, they placated like her intentions and desire to, to be this sort of entity. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're one of those organization, organizations that's corrupt and they have a desire for power. Um, they're multi crossover. So they're like, I think I mentioned them, oof, maybe Black Widow episode, but they're very prominent in like the X-Men mm. and, you know, with Psylocke, especially any, any sort of, you know, Silver Samurai, all of them, they're yeah. all in this weird subsect of, of super villainy. Um, 
with the hand in some way. And so um, they were actually created by comic legend Frank Miller, who, if you're familiar with Sin City or Batman, that's a big name. He yeah. also wrote for Dare- Daredevil. So surprise, surprise there. Um, and so Elektra dies at the hands of Bullseye, um, very similar to Karen, actually. Um, and this is well depicted both in the comics as well as the film. This is the comic book version, Jeff. Oh, wow. He stabs her right through the gut coming out from the back end and then in the film I have it here they tried to do the same thing oh that's right wow yeah I mean that angle is terrible in CGI but (laughs) they 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 kind of nailed that part of the relationship and uh, the difference between the comic book and the film is that in the comics it was because they were both trying to be Kingpin's number one assassin ah so it was more of a rivalry thing, and 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 she was like, "Well, I'm going to take him down because I want to be, I want to be the first hand, right hand man yes. person." And uh, Bullseye's like, oh, "No," and he took her out, took her out, and you know she had the 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 lovely pleasure of also being Daredevil's love interest. Yeah, and you know a good supervillain loves a great reason to Rip. Uh, ruin someone's life. Um. Yeah, in modern age, Elektra, believe it or not, has assumed the helm of Daredevil in place of an incarcerated Matt Murdock. So long story short, Matt goes to jail for murdering somebody by accident. And then Elektra uh, is like, there needs to be a Daredevil for the city. And so she took the helm, she took the helm and became... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Sick, right? It's like, um, so much red. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good though. It's really, really good. Um, which of course, you know, on the, uh, cinematic side of the spectrum, Electra Nachos portrayed by Elodie Young in the series and Jennifer Garner in the film. Um, and she's so much crazier in the series. Um, and it's undoubtedly a better representation of the character. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Like Jennifer Garner is just too lovable. In every way, <laughs> like she's just she's hard to hate. She really is hard to hate. Too, she's too thirteen going on thirty. Super you know? duper. She's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Oh my god, Razzles! Um, it's so good. I love that movie. It's like where else are you gonna get Electra and the Hulk in the same film? Exactly. Oh, so good. Um, but yeah, you know, she was just uh, the, the character they had written for Jennifer. Mm, just she was tough. She was tough, and she was very much a daddy's girl. But she doesn't really give off the unhinged persona that Elektra in the comics is so well known for. Yeah. And so I think that's where Elodie really like nailed it. But I do think that, you know, the, the, the content that she was presented to serve is not as strong as it could have been, I guess. I don't know. It got kind of messy in season two. So I don't know. Defender, she was a lot better. I think. Yes. I've seen a couple of recaps. Yeah. It's how she's like, played back into the mix and yeah. yeah yeah it's very interesting and you know like i i didn't get that far into my rewatch to really like have a clear definition of of how she was at one point versus another but i i did enjoy um elodie as as electra but i'm very curious if and when who and what they're gonna do with her in the cinematic universe with marvel because i do believe that I'm hoping that this next iteration of her, they're going to nail it. Like, they're really going to get the character that is is the one from the books. One can hope. 
yeah. one can hope. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, a little bit more, more about Stick. Her relationship with Stick is a bit different um, from the comics in, this, in the show. Um, and it's, it's better aligned, though, for serving a bigger storyline purpose. Um, and, you know, the, the, again, she's got so much backstory and so much of a story present in the series that, it, you know, it'd be a disservice to cover her in full right now. But, you know, long story short, she, she was in the hand and conditioned to be the black sky upon her resurrection. She fought the defenders and then she died. So again, Jeez. again, All right. <laughs> she died twice in the series. God. <laughs> so we'll see um, if and when she comes back. Um, and then, you know, that brings us to main adversaries, you know, because the Electra's right, she's skirting the line of, of, of an adversary in many ways, especially in the comic books. Um, she always kind of weaves in and out of Matt's life as a recurring problem, um, not unlike, you know, uh, many of Matt Murdock's adversaries. Um, the show itself introduces a suite of characters, both friend and foe, but for this episode, we're just going to concentrate on the outstanding array that have a direct crossover from the books um and you know of course honorable mentions to madame gao who's portrayed by wai ching ho and uh uh turk barrett portrayed by rob morgan um two very outstanding you know and very prominent uh characters in the show but we're not going to get into them today um who we will get into however is lester aka bullseye (laughs) who uh, is undoubtedly one of Matt's biggest adversaries and also a deranged maniac. Um, We briefly touched on Bullseye during our Hawkeye episode where he served on the Dark Avengers. Um, He never misses and quite literally anything can be a weapon in this man's hands. Um, Again, another character we can go into at full later on. Uh, He came from a troubled childhood uh, where he seemed normal at first, but then he started doing, you know, and acting erratically with his behavior and turned maniacal and, and deadly, <laughs> not unlike his cinematic counterpart, who is um, Benjamin Dext Poindexter. So there's this thing about Bullseye in the comics is that nobody knows his real name. Ah. And so he's just known as Lester. And so people are like, we think that's his last name. <laughs> we think that's his first name. Uh, he's just known as Bullseye. You know, you've made a name for yourself when it's one name and nobody really knows if it's your real name. Um, but in the series, yeah, in the in the films, um, or at least in the series, he's known as Benjamin Dex Poindexter, um, <laughs> portrayed by Wilson Bethel and infamously by Colin Farrell. <laughs> Feels like so so long ago. Did you realize this? I, I this I, I this occurred to me when I was watching the film. So Ben Affleck portrayed Daredevil, only to go on to portray Batman. Yes. Colin Farrell portrayed Bullseye, only to go, to on, go play on, on to play the, the penguin. penguin. Yes. <laughs> Two completely different series. However, that's crazy, and that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so so. There are two different paths of sociopath between the two, and I could go on for days about the sociopathy about um, about this character. But in the film, <laughs> he was very kitschy, very silly, very comic. Yes, comic book-like, that's what right? I that's what I remember. About, Holy smokes! Uh, yeah, like every time he turned around, there was like a rattlesnake sound. <laughs> It was like, <laughs> I was like, what is this? And it was because, presumably because of his jacket. Oh, uh, sure. And they didn't strip him of his Irishness. So he's like, oh, bullseye. My name is bullseye. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it is a thick. Yes, yeah, he has a thick accent. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, yeah. I don't know. And he had a literal bullseye carved into I, his yep, forehead. That was that, that. was very right. I remember but that. I will say this: that itself is an Easter egg because in the books, before Bullseye killed his own father. He carved a bullseye into his forehead. Jesus. Yeah. Man. So that kind of tells you tonally where that character is at. But so when it came to Wilson Bethel's rendition of this character, interpretation of this character, I found him to be so much more scary. I mean, not that Colin Farrell's was like terrifying. Yeah. But he was scary in that he was like, I believe he was an ex army vet. Uh huh. And he was. He had incredible shooting, like, record. He had an incredible... He was like a sniper. He was a sniper, right? And so... And he was also calculating and very quiet almost and and a silent presence. And I think... I think Wilson did an amazing job. And I'm kind of sad that it was only one season for him. But... It's because of the Netflix deal and, and they couldn't continue with the season four and all that good stuff. So... I wonder if they're going to pull him over too, or I don't know. Because <laughs> now we're thinking, oh, that would be the third iteration of that character when Daredevil's got this entire suite of rogues, you know? Yes. Um, and so, you know, in the film, he's he's more uh, of a contracted hit, uh, contracted hitman for Fisk, whereas in the series, he's a disenchanted army vet who becomes Fisk's personal assassin. So he's the guy taking all these people down and helping Fisk basically become the kingpin of the of Hell's Kitchen. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> I God, I couldn't, rem- I didn't remember this until when I was, you know, re- doing having my rewatch, and I was like, God, you know, he he was playing both sides of the game because you know he was working for Fisk, but also wanted to to get back at the devil, and so he. I don't know how far you got, but he wears the Daredevil outfit at one point. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and very vague. <laughs> there was a big poo-poo on, on Netflix because they put up the, the hero cards for the series and uh. it was the screenshots of him in the outfit <laughs> and it wasn't Charlie Cox. That's hilarious. And everybody was like, yo, that's Hello? Bullseye. Yes, Bullseye, isn't Daredevil? Um, but anyway, you know, he has his own, own sort of awakening, you know, turning against both men and entities in the, near the end of the series uh, season well and series um and like i don't know if you saw this but he has this epic fight with both fisk and daredevil simultaneously okay it's more of a daredevil and bullseye fight but at the end of the fight when he's trying to kill vanessa who's fisk's wife yes. Or soon to be wife he literally picks bullseye up and he just cracks him against the corner of a wall Jesus. Like he's a cracker. He oh my cracks God. him. He breaks his back. Oh my God. And that's the end of it. But there's a stinger at the end of the series, or at least the very last scene of that series. He's on the operating table getting fixed. Wow. So he's another open-ended character that, that could surface in some way. We'll if they see. choose to, if they choose to acknowledge that, if not retcon it altogether. Um, but speaking of the big man, Wilson Fisk, Kingpin. Um, and so <laughs> let me just say full fledged Fisk is one of those characters I would love to do a standalone on. Um, so we're just going to touch lightly on, on this gigantic iceberg of a man. Um, described as in the comics, 
a powerful businessman and crime overlord seeking to dominate New York City. Mm-hmm. Wilson Fisk is simply that. He's a man that's, you know, engulfed in his desire for power and money and yep. control and that's that's more or less what he, you know, what he's about. Um, and that's not unlike the 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 cinematic version um, portrayed by Vincent D'Onofrio. Goat, the <laughs> best. The <laughs> goat, and um, oh, and Cole Jensen as a child in the MCU, as well as the late and great Michael Clark Duncan in 2003 film, and John Rhys Davies in the 1989 Trial of the Incredible Hulk. So Rhys. Uh, Davies was the first kingpin. I don't have any recollection of him at all. Like I need to watch that. I don't. I, I think I've seen it once. I don't remember anything. But Michael Clark Duncan was so good, and he had a, such a presence about yeah. him. This much like Bullseye was an interesting contrast because Michael Clark Duncan was a big dude. Yes, exactly. And yeah. he had a deep voice, but he was like muscular. Big, yes, you know, he like he stand very. Gra- gra- grandiose yeah total presence yeah yeah and so to see vincent d'onofrio's version of the kingpin was is so utterly convincing like i don't know that i could see a version that's not like that anymore like a live action version yeah Yeah, because he's almost soft-spoken you know yeah like the way that he does his voice for him it's kind of it's like oh like he he moves his mouth so little, yeah. but like it's just like oh, it's the things like, he it's says. It's his Godfather like presence yeah. of just. But you don't like you know if you say something wrong, you're you're dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and and you see him swell with anger, right? Like it's it's almost Hulk like in his own way, where he's very soft spoken and and quiet. But then when he starts to get angry and he starts to get annoyed and irritated, you just hear him like. He starts grunting and emphasizing a little more sharply, and then to yeah. the point where he starts yelling. Yeah, and you're like, and okay, like oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. whereas Michael Clark Duncan was all around, you know, he's just a very deep and pronounced yeah. voice, which was, you know, both men are iconic in their own right. Um, and, you know, as for the MCU, we first see him in Daredevil and last seen in the Hawkeye series. Um, so there's obviously much to talk about when it comes to the Kingpin. But as far as Daredevil is concerned, yeah, he's exactly, you know, as as the comic books depict him. He's just a towering crime lord um, who just wants more and more war and he wants to own. And he becomes mayor in the books at one point and he plays the good guy. But, you know, he's obviously, he he's, has treacherous web of of you know crime lords and and uh ruling the underworld as as hell's kitchen and then some um his right hand man uh james wesley portrayed by toby leonard moore and wesley owen welch uh who's portrayed by leland orser it's interesting i'm not sure why they named them they're both wesley (laughs) yeah so i assume that in the you know the books he's just wesley but they named him different surnames and first names in the in the series in the film, but either way, they're both fantastic actors and they play to to Fisk's right hand very well. Um, and then, of course, like I mentioned, Vanessa Mariana Fisk, uh, portrayed by Ayelet Zurer in the series. Um, oh, I think she's oh she's so good to hate. She's so good. Um, I would love to see more of her as well. But yeah, essentially, you know the 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 issues. Or at least the uh, 
the adversaries are born out of simply Daredevil's love and wanting to protect the city and Fisk wanting to, you know, control it. <laughs> simply said. And they just keep getting in each other's way. Yeah, I'd love to see more of Wilson Fisk. We're obviously going to. We're going to see a lot of them. Yeah, and Echo as well as Daredevil born again. So that's not the last of Vincent D'Onofrio. I know. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad that he still like wants to play this character and he yeah. loves playing this character. Right. And like you said, I don't know if there is anyone that can play this character. No, at this rate? Because yeah. I even feel, even in the Spider-Verse version, yeah. I feel that they still lifted from Vincent D'Onofrio in sure. many ways, especially with the voice thing. Like the voice thing is very much like you just, I don't know, personally speaking as, you know, coming from, from the reading the comics, I did kind of, I guess Michael Clark Duncan really set a tone in that you imagine this really like foreboding, ominous voice coming yes. out of this man at all times. But Vincent D'Onofrio in- introduced that very, characteristic way of speaking that I feel carried over in Inspire Verse. Yes. And so now when I read a comic with him in it, you I think, think of, of that voice. Yes. Um but yeah, you know, it's it's God, I can't even go into nitty-gritty details about their relationship. But yeah, it's it's just an amplification of of two characters that are so deeply intertwined with one another and they both think that they're right. Yeah. And they do have moments where they do work together which is shocking, but it's very much like a Norman Osborn, Peter Parker situation where they have these deeply rooted issues with one another. And um, yeah, unfortunately it it never ends well at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it didn't in either the series or, or the film. And that magnificent scene at the end of season three of Daredevil where Matt's just like, officially defeated him and he does this i don't know if you've seen it you've probably seen the meme but yeah. he's like screaming and he's like i beat you <laughs> and it's so nuts because it's just the pent-up anger of three plus seasons yeah and i think that's that's something that they've barely touched when it comes in comparison to the series yeah. or to the books rather um so yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see that's not the end of kingpin and i don't think he's dead and i don't think any of that yeah yeah obviously yeah no way there's just no way he's wearing kevlar under that all that (laughs) there's just no way she could have shot him Uh, so speaking of kevlar and, and stuff that people wear aesthetic so although um it's not technically part of Daredevil's original creative team. Um, he wasn't. Uh, proof that Jack Kirby really lived up to his King moniker um, is that Kirby weighed heavily on the concept that was Daredevil. Mm. So down to his his aesthetic as well as his weapons. So it was it was more or less Kirby's idea to manifest the Billy Club and to make it as tricked out as it is. And so, um, so yeah, when it comes to weapons, Daredevil's got the billy club. It can expand into a melee weapon, um, as well as, you know, a baton. Um, and in the cinematic scape, same thing. And virtually anything can be <laughs> a weapon when it comes to Daredevil. Yeah. You've seen this man pick up, like, anything. He'll pick up anything <laughs> and use it against his adversaries. Um, but I do have a pop quiz for you in between all of this, Ooh. which isn't too Ooh. complicated whatsoever. It's very simple. Um, so pop quiz. Daredevil uses 
the baton for a variety of things beyond a walking stick. Yes. Including a still grappling hook. Yes. And so you've probably seen this in the... <laughs> I don't know if you remember this distinctly, but I know it's one of the things I remember best about the film. When Ben Affleck is in the suit and he's like getting ready to go... I think it's during Bring Me to Life. and he, Or no, no. He's, he's gearing up to go out for a night of patrolling. And it's this funny scene where they show him zipping up the jacket, putting on the cowl, and putting, he does like this weird thing with his baton, and he puts it in the holster, and then he breaks apart the cane, and he pulls out the, you know, it has the wire that comes out of it, the cable. Yes. And they just basically over-exaggerated the entire damn thing, but it's pretty funny. Um, Anyway, that Billy Club thing holds tension cable, which essentially helps him swing yes. places. How many feet of aircraft control cable does Daredevil have in his cane? Oh, wow. Is it 10, 20, 30, or 40 feet? Four, 10, 20, 30, 40 feet of cable inside that cane. Inside that thing wow. that he has. Yeah. God. <laughs> I feel like the obvious answer people would say, like, oh, well, he wants as long as possible. So yeah. 40. Okay. But I feel like that's not logistical. That's too much. <laughs> what okay. if, like, you try to, you try to, like, you hook that on a building, you try swinging, and boom, splat, legs are gone, right? Yeah. Too long. Too right. long. Yeah. Depending. Yeah. I like 30. Okay. I like 30. You like 30? 30. 30 is it. Yes. <laughs> two for two. Hey. <laughs> Let's go. Well done. Yeah, 30, 30 feet of tension cable resides in that Billy Club. That's crazy. So, I mean, it have, it's probably on par with a Peter Parker sort of creation. Sure. Like, it's got to be thin as it is strong, but, I mean, yeah. he did graduate atop of his class from Columbia University, so completely realistic in some senses. Um, love. Love that. Good for you, Matt Murdock. Um, we did receive a listener question from Captain Cheese on Instagram. Ooh. So, uh, Caesar asks, what variations of the suit has he had, or is it just a typical red suit? So, that was actually helping uh, segue into our next section of the aesthetic. So, depending on the artist, you really get a different treatment of what Daredevil's suit is is concocted of, right? Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. The Ben Affleck is 100% like a leather suit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Whereas, I don't know why, because you would be sweating for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Whereas in the comic books, it's very, very plainly introduced that he took his old, his dad's old robe, you know, boxing yeah. gear, and, and refashioned it into something yeah. else. Um, so... So yeah, sometimes you know you get something closer to the boxing outfit. Other times you get the stick Kevlar leather combination thing. Um, in the comics, the first suit is the classic yellow and black. It's actually black, and so it's the red is simply meant to shadow. It's like the shadow color, and so it's not black and yellow like a bumblebee, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know they they kind of moved it forward from that, and it is actually red. Um, and then you know. Uh, as previously mentioned in another episode, yellow used to be the color attributed to that of the devil. So, a more modern look for the character um, 
started to lean towards red because of pop culture and the way that they depict the devil, the devil and yes. all that good stuff. Um, and, you know, in the MCU, or at least the cinematic universe, they kind of went backwards a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's funny because in the, in the show, Matt quoted, you know, when Foggy was interrogating him about like, when did you do this? How do you do yeah. this? Matt's own words were, I never learned how to sew. <laughs> so he ordered everything off online. <laughs> Whereas, you know, again, in the books, he, he taught himself how to sew and put it together like yeah. the Peter Parker way. Um, but in the cinematics, uh, you know, series, he started with the black suit, simple but effective. And yes. it was just stuff that he put together. It was and, like a black like sweater and like a black thing yeah. over his head, right? Yeah. And I mean, m- most cosplayers, they use tights. <laughs> Yeah. So they can see through it. Yeah. But it goes around their head fine, and then he's got his glo- wrapped gloves. Yeah, and yeah, just like pair hands, of pants. Yeah. yeah, pair of pants and some combat boots. Um, then he upgraded to the red and black suit, um, which we first saw in the series as well. Uh, created by a man or a character uh, named Melvin Potter. Um, and so in the comics, very quickly, Melvin is known as the Gladiator. Um, and he, he actually is, he becomes like an, an anti-hero slash supervillain because he just dislikes superheroes mm-hmm. and he wants to defeat them. So he makes a bunch of tools and stuff to help him do that. Um, whereas on the show, he's treated more of like someone on the spectrum and, and he wants to just simply protect the people he loves. And so he helps Daredevil. He negotiates with him in, in, um, you know, in offering to keep him safe from the kingpin. And so Melvin created the red and black suit, which then later becomes the, like, I guess it's more prominently crimson suit. Yes, I um, like that. That's my favorite. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to see the, D, the, the DD on his chest at one point, but I do like... Cause that's one thing that I was just like, how are they going to do that? Because like, oh, like Ben big, Affleck like one, a big like DD chest. <laughs> yeah, and 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 something that isn't as sort of kind of gaudy as Ben Affleck's, right? Because yeah. Ben Affleck's was just like it was good, it was good. Yeah, but it was like oh, he wouldn't. I don't know if I he can move now, around. In that. Like when it comes to like your initials or symbols on your chest. Yeah, at least for like a certain for characters nowadays, it's like. It comes off as corny. Yeah. It's like you're announcing who you are. Right. Type of thing. Like, right. Ah, like it's me. Right. Like, Daredevil. It's me. Because uh. <laughs> the last thing we need is another like bat symbol. Yeah. Thing. You know, like, like bat symbol con- conversation. How people are like, why is Ben Affleck's bat symbol so yeah, fat? Like on, like, on, like an Iron Man. <laughs> so like ridiculous. An Iron Man's like armor doesn't say... Iron, Iron Man. Man, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like, it's kind of like corny. It's like, yeah. we, we know who you are. Yeah, you know? yeah, okay. yeah. I think <laughs> they'll still do it in some capacity. Um, I mean, they went, they're going, I mean, we're going to bring it up right now. They're they're going the red and yellow suit. Yeah, red and yellow. In She-Hulk. In so She-Hulk. it's like, okay, how are you going to make that? Yeah, I'm so curious. You know, mo- modern, in modern times. Because the crimson red, it was all crimson red too. So yeah. it was, and it was on a material that's almost like, when I think of like, that type of suit, I'm thinking of like a Captain America like suit or a, uh, yeah, like a like a like a uh, Falcon like kind of like cover up and stuff. Yeah, like exactly. armor. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but they're going back to like this the red and the like kind of like golden yellow mm-hmm. suit. So mustard what, and ketchup. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I guess whenever he pops up in She-Hulk, we yeah. will get a, a full breakdown. Ooh, I hope so. 
yeah, so I don't know. We'll we'll see how it manifests and uh, and you know, as they say, the glow up in 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 the series. And so this is his third, fourth piece of media. I'm counting so like yeah. Defenders is, is is separate from yeah. the show. So Daredevil, the Defenders, No Way Home, mm-hmm. now in She Hulk, yeah, and then in Echo, and then his own show. Insane. So so tell me, Daredevil isn't important? Then like go back to that list because that's a yeah. lot of proof in the pudding yeah ah so good feige knew feige knew which by the way feige was co-producer on the daredevil film so back way back yeah wow. 2003 wow co-produced kevin feige he knew he knew <laughs> <laughs> feige knows everything know. yeah i think people don't realize that it's like no that was part part of like, yeah, like feige daredevil is, is a really very yeah. important character mm-hmm. in, in like marvel comics and that's i think that's a part of that is why i think he's pushing so hard for him now because he's like i was part of that in the beginning yeah like he had just graduated from being an intern you yeah, know what i mean basically. and now he was like yeah and then he was a producer at that point yeah co-producer what have you and so for him to be on that very first official journey of that character and then now he's like 20 years yeah. later ushering him into this new era that's and I awesome. think it really helps a lot that, and it's and it's really easy for him to sell too because we as an audience have fallen in love with Charlie Cox's yeah, portrayal. So it's like yes, yeah. but you have the perfect actor for this character, so let it ride. Yeah, as long as the actor wants to continue to play him, yeah, boom, let it ride. Yeah, and and same to be said about Vincent D'Onofrio, right? Same. Like, yeah, like who and and you know. Again, this is kind of like, you know, not to keep comparing them to to Spider-Man and Green Goblin, like another reason what made No Way Home so good is because William Defoe was was prepared to play, you know, cuz no one else could have played that role and no so one else. we're getting real lucky in no. this particular um, you know, realm of the of the Marvel universe because both guys are ready, available and willing to play the game and they can go long game. Because they're both here now, you know, and mm-hmm. there's no, there's no studio interrupting. There's no rights issues. Like he, they can finally do something that does take a longer course. And I, and they're both phenomenal actors. Yeah. Phenomenal. Amazing. Like Top tier actors. So yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for more. Um, <laughs> although before we, we start you know, descending into the, the the tail end of our show, I do want to introduce you to one person is very special to the Matt Murdock universe. <laughs> and his name is Michael Mike Murdock. Oh gosh. <laughs> this is like depending on who you ask, or majority of the people who you ask, uh huh, the worst thing about Daredevil. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty heavy. Please explain. So, <laughs> so in Daredevil's earlier days, Matt manifested this fake identity uh-huh. to cover up his own identity, <laughs> <laughs> claiming that his twin. So when people would be like, "This guy, who's Daredevil?" and he's like, <laughs> "He's like, it couldn't possibly be me. I am blind." And so Matt created this fake persona. So much so that he would be like, oh, my, my twin brother, Mike Murdoch, is is Daredevil. Wow. It's my twin brother. It's my twin brother. That's yeah. my twin. It's that yeah. guy. I don't know. You had a twin. It's that yeah, guy. It's yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. And so, <laughs> by an unfortunate means, um, so as recent as the last year of Daredevil, Mike existed in Matt's world. 
beyond just being an undercover name. Oh. During an attempt to cultivate a group to bring down Fisk, an inhuman called the Reader mm. brought the fragment that was Mike Murdoch mm-hmm. from Matt's mind made him a real person. Oh my God. A sentient copy of Matt Murdoch who literally went by the name Michael Murdoch. Oh my gosh. And he was running around. Doing Matt Murdoch things. Doing Matt Murdoch things. Wow. Thinking that he's like, oh, you know, I'm a real person. I'm a real boy. <laughs> I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, the copy did as he wanted, descending into, you know, he did whatever he wanted to do. He's basically a rogue version of Matt Murdoch and he descended into the life of crime. And so... um. I mean, this is like the crazy storyline that's happened in in you know the the you know sixty years that Daredevil's been a thing, and you know he steadily went from being an inside joke to a full fledged actual character so much that they've actually rewritten like if you look at bio pages for for Matt mm-hmm. where it used to say like Jack raised his son now it says like Jack raised his sons. Michael and Matt. Yeah, it's like that. It's a complete rewriting and retelling of this the character. Yeah. And I think it's a huge error. I'm going to say it. I think it's a huge error because it really does change the course that that character took as we know it. Mm. Now, there's another brother that was there doing all these moments. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, his life came to an abrupt end when Fisk mistook Mike for Matt. Oh, wow. And choked him with his bare hands. Choked Mike. Choked Mike. Wow. Thinking, oh, I'm finally going to kill the devil. Wow. And it was Michael Murdoch. Yikes. So he is officially dead in the books. I don't think we're going to see him in the MCU. I think it's a little crazy. Unless they're like, the one that Unless we you see, really want to dip into that like nature of like so, of creating like a yeah like a, like in Logan a sentient yeah exactly yeah. a sentient clone um, so yeah there's no Mike in the MCU but they did make a running joke planted in the first season of Daredevil episode three Claire asks Matt what his name is she says it's Mike and he just goes with it oh yeah she's like I'm just gonna call you Mike and he's like who's that and she's like an ex and so every time they see each other she's like mike mike that is hilarious so they they did their fair share of easter eggs and uh elsewhere in the mcu or at least modern day releases i wanted to bounce back into comic book land very 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 quickly and touch upon a very special version of matt murdoch journey with me if you will to earth 65 AKA Spider Gwen's World. Oh, oh yeah. Where Matt Murdock was not only working with the hand, but was also uncovered to be the kingpin himself. Wow. Um, so, yeah, the, basically, Matt Murdock was this, you know, he would speak on behalf of the kingpin, quote unquote. You kind of got the vibe that it was a Wesley like kind of move, like he was, he knew the kingpin. Yeah. Which isn't untrue. Wilson Fisk was the kingpin in Spider Gwen's World for a, a number of years. Yeah. Until Matt Murdock himself rose in the ranks and and became Kingpin himself. And so um, he he achieved this by killing uh, an infamous burglar, international burglar at that, uh, known as Le Chat Noir, whose name was Walter Hardy. Oh. Uh-huh. Which is 
Yes. Felicia Hardy's father. Yes. So that that brought on this entire storyline that didn't quite get um, fleshed out between the two. Um, but yeah, it was a fun thing. And considering where we might go in the next Spider-Verse movie, yeah. we might see Matt Murdock there. And so I wanted to, f- I fished out the screenshot or a couple of screenshots actually for you. Um, this first one is interesting because it's Gwen looking at the board of all the villains that are happening, right? Uh-huh. And so you've got Hammerhead, you've got Fist. Yes. But there's also this shadowy figure on the very bottom left corner uh-huh. or right corner with glasses. And in the comics, Matt Murdock is very prominently known for his glasses because he's always in the shadows. Yeah. And you can just see the crimson of his eyes. So there's speculation that's that uh, Matt Murdock could be the next kingpin in that or villain in the that. next villain, at least for or Spider-Man. one of them in the next Spider-Verse. Yeah, in the next Spider-Verse movie. And then if you blink too quickly, that scene in the subway. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. seen this, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the child in Fisk's manifestation with Vanessa looks like a young Matt Murdock. Oh, Murdoch. 100%. <gasps> Multiverse is real. <laughs> Multiverse is real. Like Peter Parker says. And speaking of Peter Parker, last but not least, Spider-Man Freshman Year, the animated series. So yeah, revealed at San Diego Comic-Con 22. Charlie Cox will be reprising his role as Daredevil beyond the flesh in animated form, donning his black street-level suit. Seen in the books as well as in Daredevil Season 1 in this new Spider-Man cartoon. So that's pretty cool. I'm ready for that. Um, And so, second to last, or third last but not least, the future of the character in the MCU. So... Listener comment from Andrew, who is not only a Patreon patron, but one of our most invested uh, listeners, who I'm also very scared to listen to this episode because he's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Daredevil fan I know. He asks, what are y'all looking forward to most with Matt, specifically Charlie, return not only as Daredevil, but in the MCU? Storylines, character interactions, tone. I feel like for the first time, I can actually say like literally... The sky's the limit. Yeah. I feel like before it'd be like, maybe they can do this. I don't know if they will because of this, of X, Y, Z. But yeah. I feel like this time around, it's like, it could literally go anywhere. I feel like he do could anything. interact with literally any anybody that's like, I mean, obviously anybody from street level to cosmic or whatever. But yeah. I feel like right now, street level, mm-hmm. he can interact with anybody that we've seen yeah. that is there and is going to be upcoming. And Spider-Man is proof of that. Yeah. Utter proof of that. They just kind of threw him in there and they're like, you're going to be in one of the biggest Avengers films. Yeah. And then from there, and I now mean, he's going to be in She-Hulk. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. See, we, yeah. He's interacting with, 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 with Peter yeah. already. And you're like, wow. Okay. That's already mm-hmm. a big interaction because that's a big, that's a big comic like pairing right there. Yeah. And then now he's, he's going to return in, um, and She-Hulk, yep. two lawyers, love that. <laughs> uh, coming back to mm-hmm. reunite with Fisk and Echo. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that. Oh my gosh. And then he's getting his own TV show order. So it's kind of just like, dude, like who knows? My only, I think the only thing that I'm scared of is the expectations that yeah. the fans Same. put. I think we've talked about this like all the time, mm-hmm. every episode of like what fans are expecting. And what since it's in the MCU, it's just like, boom, boom. I mean- 
Jennifer Walters said it in the last episode, like, hey, just because mm-hmm. this is not going to be one of those, like, cameo, oh, cameo once a week, week. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. still my show, but, you know, we did have Hulk. Yeah. We did have Emil. Yeah. I mean, Wong. Yeah. But it's still my show. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, you know, I feel like people would expect that, especially if you're getting 18 episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of, of Matt Murdock. But, Woo. I think, um... Excited for like street level interactions with other superheroes, whether mm-hmm. it's for a whole season, whole episode, or yeah. you know, just a ca- or a cameo. Like, I mean, just the fact that we saw him in the She Hulk trailer is kind of just like, how is that going to play out? Yeah, that's crazy. Exactly. So, I don't know. This guy is really the limit for for Matt, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to see that there's like a character that's going to be like, where can you place him? Really? Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I couldn't say much more. Honestly, I I totally I think wherever they end up taking him will probably be great. I love the Netflix. I know, I love what Netflix set for yes. him as 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 far as you know groundwork goes. I think you know people you know the the fodder online is oh he's gonna be too funny he's gonna be in She Hulk he's gonna be twerking now and it's like well I hope he does. <laughs> I mean I would mind it actually. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny, but you know I think. On his own, Matt was always funny in his own way. Yes. In the Netflix Netflix show yes. anyway. He would always make the blind quips and he would always kind of drop a bit of humor now and then and even cool and calculated way as Daredevil. So, you know, even, even though he's going to start traipsing through all these different tone shows and bodies of cinematic universe work, I think that Charlie Cox has already manifested and set in concrete exactly the way his Matt Murdock is. I don't think he's not adventurous enough to go beyond that, but I think that's going to be like the overarching tone. Like we're going to feel the same Matt Murdock that we've known yes. and come to love. And I feel like, like you said, uh, the Netflix show series set like a great foundation. Oh, absolutely. And maybe because of that, yeah. maybe they're like, now it's like, okay, well, we had him do like do mm-hmm. like a, a daredevil like that mm-hmm. in a more darker, serious tone, sure. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's explore, let's kind of have let's take that foundation, mm-hmm. but then now let's apply it to like maybe in in this MCU era of like he'll still have that kind of like si- like serious tone, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, like still just Matt Murdock, you know, yeah, funny, exactly. quippy, you know, he's like he's smart, subtle jabs and mm-hmm. everything, but at the end of the day, he's still Matt Murdock. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So. I agree, hundred percent agree. So yeah, this summer revealed at San Diego, Daredevil: Born Again arrives on Disney Plus in spring of twenty twenty four, which is very sounds, soon. It sounds far away, but it's very. But then you soon. think about it; it's only a year and a half away. Yeah, which is wild because you know before it was like, oh God, is this five year thing over? And then. Again, Boom, it's coming out. It's coming out. Yeah. You know, he got he got reacquired and he is good to go. Yep. We're just waiting for the rest of those kids to make the turnstile. <laughs> um, and of course, starring both Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio confirmed on the cast so far. Um, we'll see who else gets revealed. And then, I mean, I, I know this is a favorite but between, you know, audiences and this is personally one of my favorite sections, but the almost was. <laughs> this is an interesting thing because I... I can tell you, I didn't think I was going to find many candidates for who almost portrayed Daredevil, but there are some surprises here. So, 
first and foremost was Matthew Davis. I am not familiar. Are you familiar with that actor at all? Don't know. Maybe if I saw a face. Yeah, maybe. I, I looked him up. I, it didn't immediately ring any bells. But the second candidate was pretty hilarious. Vin Diesel. Hilarious. Groot no. himself was up for the role. And uh, I believe he did not take it in favor of Chronicles of Riddick. Mm. So that's what happened there. Our friend Edward Norton <laughs> was also up for the role. Uh, but he did not take it, I believe, in favor of Hulk or just because he just was like, no, I don't want this role. Yeah. Um, also in the running was Guy Pierce, who ended up becoming Aldrich Killian in Iron Man 3. That's hilarious. Yeah, so all these guys are ending up somewhere. And then, of course, Matt Damon, <laughs> BFF of Batfleck himself. So apparently they both loved Matt Murdock and Daredevil as kids. That they uh, used to like role play with each other. That they were it. Daredevil and Bullseye or something, which is kind of hilarious. Um, they both tried for the role. Matt um, dipped out. He said that the, the script wasn't compelling enough for him. Mm. And then, as we know, Ben Affleck took it. And then Matt Damon kind of looked out anyway because he ended up portraying that theatrical version of Loki. Hilarious. I love how <laughs> most the of these guys ended up playing something in the yes, MCU. I, all of them except for Matthew Davis who maybe still did. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and of course, believe it or not, Ben Affleck was originally lined up to play the role of Bullseye while Colin Farrell circled the role of Daredevil. That's funny. So the two switched places, and now they're the Batman and Penguin too. Hmm. So that's that's, that's also something. Real. That is something. And then finally, our suggested reading, and I just want to shout out this episode's suggested reading comes courtesy of Daredevil Superfan Patreon Patron Andrew. Thank you so much for your service in real life and for these suggestions. Um. So if you're if you're looking to look into some daredevil deep dive reading, um, definitely take this list down because Andrew knows this character inside out, um, and I hope we did you some justice today. But be sure to check out Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malev's and David Mack's um, Daredevil Run Volume Two, Issue Twenty Six. Uh, originally started in two thousand one, it spans fifty five issues. Go for it. It's amazing. Uh, I cannot complain about that creative team or any of these, to be honest. Um, Ed, Bru Ed Brubaker and Michael Larks, Volume 2, Issues 82 through 119 in April of 2006. Mark Wade, Paolo Rivera, and Chris Samney's run in Volume 3, 2011 through 2014. Mark Wade and Chris Samney's iconic Volume 4 in 2014 and 15. Um, and then, last but not least, David Miller and Dave Matsuchelli's Born Again arc from 1986. Will that have any effect on the actual series of the same name? Not sure, but it could happen. So we'll see. All right. <laughs> and that is the end of the show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much packed packed info for our main man daredevil and i'll tell you we barely got down to maybe a quarter of that towering tower that is wow matt that's there's insane. a lot there's truly a lot like honestly i would have loved to talk more about stick but we would literally have a six-hour episode <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> but uh yeah so I, I hope that that's sufficient enough for the 101 on daredevil yeah <laughs> 
Woo! We made it. We made it. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, next episode. So, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, uh, you know, we ran a poll on Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to, you know, vote on these polls, please join our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Um, Groot won by a landslide. I had a couple of characters up on there. I think it was Groot and Captain Marvel and She-Hulk and and somebody else. And then, of course, you know, our our lovely friends were able to suggest anyone they wanted. But the 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 little tree won everybody's hearts over. So so I don't know if we may cover Groot in our next episode. Um, I'll leave that to the big man to my left here. <laughs> I <laughs> so am we'll down see. for the ride. Yeah, yeah. Groot, uh, Groot is definitely in the horizon. Um, we'll see if that pulls through. Uh, and speaking of Groot, a We Are Groot salute to Andrew, Katie, Melanie, Ashley, Joe, Liz, Nats, Ed, Ariel, the Arachnid, Claire, Tyler, Jenny, Robin, Laura, and Andrea. Follow us on social at STRKCNTRST. And if you like what you hear, for the love of God and all that is holy in the Catholic Church and by Matt Murdock. Yes. Review, rate, and subscribe. Yes. Leave do, us a review. Do hail Mary. Rate Mary's. us. Yes. Subscribe. Do it. Do it. Follow us because we are <laughs> narcissistic. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it helps us a ton. It does. So that would be it amazing. Does. It helps us see who's listening and takes, where you guys are listening from. It's amazing. Takes 30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> Maybe even less. Maybe even less. <laughs> Two seconds with the technology these days. And that's it. But once again, thanks again for listening. And we will see you in the next one. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye. You, you want me to kill you. No prison can keep me. You know that. Come on, kill me. No. God knows I want you, but you don't get to destroy who I am. You will go back to prison and you will live the rest of your miserable life in a cage, knowing you'll never have Vanessa, that this city Rejected you, it beat you, I beat you!